WWF, what the world is watching. Right, right. <laughs> Heart Foundation, it must have been a little disconcerting not to know until this very moment which two members of Demolition you were going to face for the tag team title. But, gentlemen, <laughs> it appears that the pieces of the puzzle have finally fallen into place. I must admit, it's been a little confusing, but I thought all along it was going to be the two original and most experienced members of Demolition, Axe and Smash. <laughs> what about you, Anvil? What do you think? Think! <laughs> they don't pay me to think. They pay me to be tough like an anvil. Hence the name, right? Right? <laughs> it never mattered to me because when I get in the ring, I just don't care. <laughs> Settle down, anvil. Settle down. He's a little anxious, and so am I. Anxious to once again be the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. <laughs> and now, since we only have to worry about two demolition, you can bet that the Hart Foundation, we're gonna make flatliners out of Axe and Crush. Yeah, demolition! After the heart attack we're gonna give you, you'll be buying pacemakers by the truckload, baby! <laughs> Just like Phil Collins says, what we have here are two hearts beating as one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to ringside. Welcome, everybody, to the 24-inch podcast. My name is Steve Bennett. That was the beautiful Paula Bennett. And for the first time this season, together, we have Dave Rollins. Together Hollywood again. Dave. Yeah, the three of us Just here. Just like the, uh, the Muppets song in Muppets Take Manhattan. I don't know if Paul has I seen that one. Together. Together again. Yeah, that was a, that was a straight to the point. Hey now, Paula yeah. Mania, you ready? And she just dipped out. <laughs> Not dipped out already? <laughs> no, I mean like in the in the intro, she just oh, yeah, yeah. yeah hey now, and then she went silent. Um, it is uh, season two, episode what four? Two, four, six, eight. We did one before um, you two, got sick. Two, four, six, eight. And this is the third one. The third, right? third yeah. one back two, since four, uh, six, since I. I decided it was time for me to return, and I fell on some some hard times. Yeah, so I was going to give you the chance to update everyone on what's been going down since the last show. Oh, I should say, though, quickly before that, that um, SummerSlam 90, that's the show today, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But real quick, some Paul, yeah, some Paula and some Dave. A lot of big boss men. So, uh, Dave, why don't you tell us what the hell's been going down? And, Paula, instead of just talking over everyone, why don't you listen and react? Okay. Okay. All right, Dave. Go ahead, buddy. What's been going down with you? I don't want to bore everybody with the fir first part of it. Um, I've fell on some financial problems from past mistakes that I've made in my life that have uh, caught up to me. Nothing that I did wrong recently, but maybe some things <clears throat> that I've been ignoring. And uh, 
I was just uh, bombarded with that, and I've got it straightened out. But it's still gonna it's still gonna be rough, a rough run here for for six months or so. But uh, hey, it'll work out. Got God on my side, right? Walking with Jesus. And, Say your um, prayers, then, man. Eat your vitamins. Yeah, yeah you got to focus that, on the prayer thing. Before that happened, when they bombarded me with this financial problem, um, I was to adopt a dog. For, uh, first fostered and adopt. So that was already in the works. Got the dog. Everything's going good. Uh, I go out with a friend or two that night. Uh, two people that's usually an early night with. Wow. <clears throat> but it, was, it wasn't an early night this time. And somebody, I'm not going to name any names, let the dog out. An adopted dog you cannot le- let out by himself yet. Still, We still don't let him out by himself. Thank God he's back. But the dog got out. Got hopped the fence or got under the fence or something, and we were looking. I got home at 2 in the morning. We were looking at 8 in the morning. Finally, the police called. He was spotted in a cemetery, but he still wouldn't come to us because was, he was just fresh with us. So long story short, I mean, it's going on all day. This is no sleep, no nothing. The financial burden's hanging over my head. Now Now I've failed this dog. You know, that's a big thing, uh, adopting a stray dog from the streets of North New Jersey. And um, finally... Um, this wonderful lady, Kathy, who uh, runs Bone Appetite Dog uh, Center, where they clean dogs right here in Kearney, New Jersey. Um, she saw my Facebook message, and she rushed right down the cemetery. We found him. <clears throat> she did, like, this ritual where she walked backwards and dropped treats and sat down, had me sit down, did all this kind of wild stuff. The dog comes to her. She locks him up. <clears throat> We've been following all the rules since. He's our dog now. He's giving me kisses. He's doing everything he's supposed to, but still... No outside by himself. And that's Mick, named after Mick Mars from uh, Molly Crew, has just retired. And this dog is now in his retirement with us. And let me tell you something. But you don't know his age, right? He could be any age? You don't know his age. Okay. By looking at his teeth, they think between 7 and 10. But me and the lady, Kathy, are thinking more towards 7, the way he ran, the way he, the shape he's in. And it seems like he hasn't grown into his paws yet. No, yeah. You know what I mean? Almost. Big boy. Yeah. Here's the thing for me, and look at I'm not a dog guy at heart, right? Like I love my dog, um, and I've loved a dog here or there, but like if it was up to me, I'd never have a dog, right? I would just just wouldn't do it, you know. And what's hard for me, it's a lot of work. What's hard for me as a non-dog guy is I don't think the end justifies the journey. It's too much for me. I don't deal well with grief. And I'm worried for you in the sense because I seen what you went through this year and I'm afraid you got into this too quick and that the end will come too soon, uh, given that this is an adult. And, and I'm, I'm a little worried for you. Um, as Just as a friend, I wish maybe you waited longer. But a non-dog person would say to me, and they might be right, that this was the best thing in the world for you in your family. And that to be able to fill that hole in your heart with a new dog and to love a dog again is the best medicine. So right. what do I know? You know what I mean? I don't uh, know. I, I, I just hope you. for the best, you know. I thank you very much. I know where you're coming from. But what I said to the lady at the shelter is that when we thought he was older, we thought he was in his last year. I don't got you know, knock on wood, but he seems very much younger now and spry. But <clears throat> I said if this does happen, if we do lose him soon, I'm doing this to not for me, for him, to give him a nice end to his life, to get him out out of this shelter. <clears throat> so that's where I'm coming from. 
with it, but I thank you for uh, for your concern. But it looks like uh, Mick will be with us for a while unless he decides to go on one of his escapades. <laughs> unless again, he runs that, away, that, yeah. That, then they'll be taking him from us. Well, when I saw the Facebook post. The wired defense. Oh, it was crazy. When I saw the Facebook post, you know where my man right away went, right away went to see. Shouldn't have done it. Now he's running all over yeah. car, you know. But right. look, and I'm proud of you. Proud of your family. It's nice that uh, Mick is going to have a nice retirement. Who knows what happened to Mick's people? You know, even as someone who's not necessarily a dog guy in the purest sense, it seems just pure evil to me that somehow this dog, who it seems like based on what you said, must have been house trained in some way, right? It seems yeah. pure evil to me that he just ends up at a shelter. You know, with no one. I mean, unless it's just as simple as he just got out and ran away from someone else, like, you know, in Trenton or something and ended up there somehow. You know, that is what it is. But there's too many people. Too many people. Yeah, I was just throwing out a random name. There's too many people who uh, take on the responsibility of a dog and for whatever reason uh, walk away from that responsibility. What we think, this is just what what we think. It doesn't mean that this is true. But we think sometimes they use dogs as studs. To right. mate. Yep, and then and they're done with it. Beautiful dog. Yep. Then they're done with it. I, th- I think maybe somebody in North did that. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. He's good with other dogs. He doesn't bite. He's good with people. He doesn't bark much. He's, uh, it's yeah. He, I mean, a little bit of messing in the house, you know, from being on the streets and stuff. But um, you know, yeah, we're, we're taking you'll, it. He, you'll get through that. You'll get over yeah, that. Yeah. What were you gonna good. say, Paula? What were you gonna say about it? Nothing. Oh, I thought you wanted to say something. <laughs> I didn't. Now you knocked your mic out. Oh my goodness, Paula. Not your best first 10 minutes here. What What have you been up to since the last podcast? What happened with you? What was your big What was your big life event the last week and a half? I got sick. Yeah, you got sick. Tell everybody about oh, that. No. Yeah. Yeah, so after Halloween, the day after Halloween, which was a miserable rainy cold Halloween here, uh, we let Paula sleep in. Uh, she had school on Tuesday, but it was a Tuesday, the day after. But we let her sleep in, and I was going to uh, drive her in, you know, uh, a little bit later so she could get a little bit of time. So I drove her in, and we got a call at 3 o'clock. She had thrown up in the uh, hallway. Hey! Oh, boy. Don't tell that part. Okay, I won't. <laughs> so I'll cut it, or I won't. Um, so then uh, I picked her up, and we brought her home, and she had a really bad fever, right, 103 fever or whatever. And uh, she got better pretty quick, except for the damn fever. You just couldn't get rid of that fever, huh, baby? No. And it just dragged on and dragged on. We ended up having to go see the doctor. And then the next day, she was uh, better. So, but were you bored during all that time? Yes, a million yeses. Yeah. You just, a million yeses. Just wanted to get back to your life. And then what was the other big life event that happened yesterday? What did you start yesterday? A new dance class? Ballet. You started ballet and you liked it, right? What did you tell me it was? Fantastic. You thought it was fantastic. And then what did you start today? Religion. Yeah, religious studies because you want to make your what? Communion. Your first communion, yeah. Yeah, so. say your prayers. Your second communion if I can ever do <laughs> Your second communion. Paul's going to be the first person <laughs> to make her first and second communion. Um, yeah. yeah, so a lot of... Uh, At least make note of the second one. Yeah, so we have the Say Your Prayers, Eat Your Vitamins, Tell Your Friends of the 24-inch Podcast. A lot of focus Brother. on that Say All Your right, Prayers see you next, thing. See you next week. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of focus... vitamins. A lot of focus on the prayers part so far here. 
Um, it seems like all the uh, hosts of this show need many prayers. All right. So, so here's what we're going to do today as Paula does the sign of the cross, which is something that she's been working on to learn. Same here. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do today is we'll take a break. We'll come back. Dave and I will talk about the spectrum, which we've done before, but no reason not to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, we'll also go over the bio of Earthquake, who's Hulk's opponent um, at SummerSlam 90. We'll do Where is Hulk? Uh, and then we will come back after another break, and we'll go through the card, SummerSlam 90. We'll go through Hulk's Mattresses Earthquake. We'll give grades, and then we'll be back at the end of the show. Paula will join us again. We'll do emails. Yes. Sound good? Mm-hmm. All right, Dave, anything else at the top here? That's it, man. Just hanging in there. <laughs> all right. With all that said, then, let's take a break. Uh, Dave and I will be right back with the bio of the Earthquake and the history of the Spectrum. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-Inch Podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-Inch Podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back. We call it the B block here. Steve and Dave. Paula is folding pajamas so she can eat tomorrow. That's uh, what we told her she had to do if she wants food. Um, those chores out early. I like yeah. It. She's getting those uh, chores done. Train, say your prayers, and do your chores. As we mentioned before, SummerSlam 90 is the show today, uh, which means that we will talk about Hulk's opponent and the arena. We'll start with the arena because we did it before. This is our second show from the Spectrum. Uh, The first one was a request that we got from some guys who do a podcast in Philly uh, about historical sporting events, you know, things that happened um in the past if they'll pick out like the 93 bulls or something you know and uh talk about michael jordan it's called bigger than the game uh is the name of the podcast you can find them at twitter uh they're at bigger game pod and they recently did an episode actually on the montreal screw job uh for the 25th anniversary so if you think you need to listen to more people talk about the montreal screw job i would recommend Work. listening to these guys talk about it but they Work. once they Work. once okay Work. sure could be. They once recommended um, that we do a show from the Spectrum, I think in 84, Hulk versus Big John Stud. Uh, so we did go over the Spectrum once, but my thought is new people are listening all the time, might not have heard that. So we'll talk about it for a minute. We won't go quite into the depths we did last time. Uh, but they broke ground on the Spectrum on June 1st, 1966, and it opened on September 30th, 1967. Uh, it was renovated in 1986, and it closed on October 31st, 2009, with what event, Dave? Eddie Vedder and the Jets. Yes, a, a Pearl Jam concert that I was in attendance at and sitting right in front of the owner's box 
and the whole group was there. Uh, the the ownership group uh, was there, and they played this video beforehand. They're kind of like a history of the spectrum. You know, it comes up on the big screen, and they're watching it, and all, you know, all the Philly people they're going crazy when you know they show Dr. J winning the NBA championship or. The flyer, the Broadway, Broad Street Bully Flyers winning the Stanley Cup. And the whole time it's played, I'm, think, I'm thinking in my head, man, I hope they play a clip from SummerSlam 90. Uh, and sure enough, they did. So I, I marked, right. I pop, yeah, I popped for that. Um, you know, they weren't going to, they weren't going to pick King of the Ring 95, the worst <laughs> pay per view of our, worst, I mean, there's worst pay per views now. I mean, of our era. That's sure. The worst pay per view. That's uh, yeah. not, not a great one. Uh, yeah, like I said, it was the Philadelphia Mayor James Tate. Uh, who kind of greenlit the project for the expansion Philadelphia Flyers. And the NHL is kind of built for them. Uh, the first event ever at the arena was the Quaker City Jazz Festival uh, on September 30th, 1967, whatever that was. The first sporting event was a boxing match featuring Tony Doyle versus Joe Frazier. Uh, so kind of fitting that a boxing event in Philly be the first thing. Philly, one of those historic boxing cities, of course, Rocky and all there that. Yeah, talking about that. So um, there is that uh, capacity. And the, uh, the Rocky, Rocky statue was outside the spectrum for many years. Yeah. So, well, and well, now obviously they, over by the they new arena it. now. Yeah. No, they moved it somewhere else, I believe. Oh, maybe by I the steps. Did they move by the steps that he ran up? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think because last time I saw the crew at the new arena, it was I don't think it was there. Yeah, I think it's I over think by where the steps. It. Yeah, where the steps are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about 18,168 for basketball, uh, around 17,380 for hockey. I'm sure that the wrestling attendance is closer to the basketball. You know, probably hold about 18,000 for wrestling or so, um, depending on the staging. Uh, the Flyers won their first Stanley Cup in the spectrum on May 19, 1974, defeating the... Oh, Jesus. Uh, New York Rangers. Close. Boston Bruins in game six <laughs> of the finals. Pretty close. Yeah. Good guess. Geograph- geographically wise. Yep. They once beat the Soviet Red Army team there. Uh, two cool. games from the Canada Cup were there. They've hosted NHL All-Star Games. Um, they've hosted an NBA All-Star Game. Uh, two visiting teams won a Stanley Cup and or an NBA championship there. Uh, the first was in 1976. The Montreal Canadiens lifted Lord Stanley's Cup on the ice. And one basketball team, Dave, in 1980 won the NBA championship. Dave, what was that basketball team? Uh, 1980. Well, it's not the 76ers. That's too easy. Right. It's a road uh, team. That yeah, one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, the Bulls. No, that would be the 90s. Uh, the Knicks? No, the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, that would have been next. I was just saying the most famous basketball teams. Yep. It really would That's why I, I, I threw it out there. I thought the Lakers <laughs> might be yours. Really, when you're yeah. when someone asks you a question about the NBA championship, say the Lakers or the Celtics. You got a good shot at okay. it. Yeah. Okay. You a good shot at it. When, um, when's the last time the Knicks won? Or they ever, have they ever? 77, I think, right? 77. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't way, I wasn't born. The Spectrum is the only venue to host the NBA and NHL All-Star Games in the same season. That was 76, and also that year they hosted the uh, the Final Four, which is kind of cool. So it's a, you know, a, a huge arena in a huge city. It's hosted many events, uh, many concerts. It's done bull riding. 
Uh, I think we went through the legendary bands that have played there. You know, anyone from Led Zeppelin to Jimi Hendrix, The Grateful Dead, Brian Adams, Elvis Presley, Aerosmith, Pink Floyd, The Who, Genesis, Queen, uh, The Jacksons, Bon Jovi. I mean, you name it, really. Chet and I, uh, one of our 24 podcast listeners, uh, the great Chet, we took a train there for a WCW Monday Nitro in 97 because uh, Vince had the Meadowlands and the Garden locked locked in. So <clears throat> I had a football game because it was a rain delay that Saturday. So we didn't get to play that Saturday. So we had to play Monday. So it was cutting it close. And we had to get on that train and hop and just make an affiliate time for belt time for uh, Monday Nitro. And then, of course, saw Motley Crue there in 2005 on Carnival Sin Store. And I saw a couple WWF house shows there with my mom and dad in the early 90s. We come from uh, the the shore area. The ride's not that long. Ride's not that long from here in Carnegie, New Jersey. Sometimes it's easier to ride an hour and 20 minutes down 95 to the Spectrum than go to the a garden. few miles yeah. in traffic to the garden. That's wild. Tunnel, brother. Yeah, that's yeah, wild. Yeah, wild. Um, I mean, if you're not thinking about gasoline and all that shit, but... One really legendary moment that happened in this building that I want to mention, maybe the most remembered moment, really. Um, I mentioned how the the Frozen Four or the Final Four, excuse me, was there in '76. Also, um, it, it hosted the tournament many other times, including in 1992 uh, when Christian Leitner of Duke beat Kentucky uh, at the buzzer with the. Uh, I'm sure you've seen this highlight, Dave, where. Grant Hill threw the ball all the way down the court and he caught it over his head and dribbled and shot. It's, it's probably the most famous basket in college basketball history. Sounds familiar. Yep, that happened. Um, and that was like in 1992, you know what, we're 12. Everyone loved Duke, you know, like kind of the heyday of it. Everyone was talking about that game in school on Monday. And you didn't. Re- it's one of those things that kind of transcended the sport itself um, and still to this day is, is shown over and over again. Again, 2008, they made the announcement that it would be the last year. Um, and uh, much to their uh, honor, I'm sure, Pearl Jam was invited uh, to play the last four concerts there, all sold out. Um, and I was at the last two on October 30th and October 31st. Uh, sure, Bon Jovi and Bruce were crying, crying the blues about that. <laughs> well, I know Bruce and Pearl Jam are tight, so I'm sure he was cool with it. Mm. Glad not to do it. Maybe Bon Jovi was a little upset. But uh, I don't know if I mentioned them, but they're a band that regularly performed at the Spectrum as well uh, many, many times. Uh, he owns a Bon Jovi, who I'm not a fan of in the least beat. The, pers- the music, just songs I like, I'll admit, and there's songs I don't like. But as a person, uh, he's a piece of garbage. But um, anyway... Uh, he owns a uh, a minor league uh, football team, right, Philadelphia? Yeah, he did. With um, Ron Jaworski was his partner as well um, in that adventure. The Pearl Jam shows that I mentioned, they were on the 27th, 28th, and 30th and 31st. Uh, the band came down to the stage each night after a video montage, which I was talking about, uh, followed by the Rocky theme. Uh, over four nights, so this is just the kind of band they are, right? Listen to this. Over four nights, Pearl Jam performed 103 different songs with the final night on Halloween lasting over three hours and 34 minutes and including Ooh. 41 songs. Um, For you, that's awesome. For me, I would never be able to handle that. <laughs> but everybody likes to rock and roll in different 
if different forms. You wouldn't want to see Motley Crue play for three hours and thirty five minutes and play forty one different songs. Inclu- That's the only 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 band in the world I would I would be okay with. And with that Pearl part. Jam is probably the only band in the world yeah, I would yeah, want okay. to see do that. Uh-huh. So, you know, I wouldn't want to go see probably even my second favorite band. That well, maybe my second, but very few. Um, yeah, I, I, Guns N' Roses are my second, and sometimes they overdo it with, with the solos and all. Like, all right, already. Yeah, and the song wise, if you're just knocking out the songs, then I'm cool with it. Yeah, these were all songs. There was no solos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. okay. Maybe, you know, I might, maybe during Even Flow, uh, you know, Mike McCready took about a four minute yeah. solo, but that's as far as they get with stuff like that. Um. Anyway, it was a special night to be there. They dressed up as Devo with the. I remember that. I remember hearing about that. Yeah, with the yeah. little hats, and they played Whip It, and um, yeah, it was a fun night. It was a, it was a good night. It, kind of, it's one of those weird things that happen in music where the Halloween show was three hours and thirty five minutes, and they played forty one songs, and it was great. But really, the night before was better somehow. Um, there was just like a Christmas, a crispness to it, and um, like they were just on that night. It was an interesting weekend because the World Series was in Philadelphia as well. So the Yankees won. The Yankees won that. Yeah, game. the Yankees won it. How about that? Yeah, huh? good job. So we're coming in on the train and from the hotel, and it's Yankees fans, Phillies fans, and Pearl Jam fans on the train. Like this incredible mix of energy, and it was a fun night to be in Philly. A cool thing about Philly is that all their arenas and sporting venues are in the same parking lot, basically. Right. Um. You know. So there's there was a real buzz there that night with the. You know, the baseball stadium lit up with the World Series being there and the Spectrum being lit up with, you know, Pearl Jam closing it. And then you see the football stadium there and the new arena. It's a cool, it's a cool. A lot of people don't realize the new, uh, a lot of people don't realize the new arena and the Spectrum coincided with each other. Yeah, for for many years. For a decade. Many years. It's just two arenas. It'd be like here in New Jersey having two Meadowlands right next to each other. Yeah. And they both had different shit going on. You guys, how lucky is that? All the same parking lot. Yep, right the Phillies, there. The e- Phillies, the Eagles, and two arenas. Now you still got the Phillies and Eagles in one arena. Not bad. I mean, theoretically, but, uh, if I wow. had if I had tickets, I could have went and watched four innings of the World Series and then walked <laughs> over and see Pearl. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Theoretically, yeah. I could have done it for sure. Now they don't. They don't. The Meadowlands Arena is still standing, uh, but they, a lot of bands do like their warm up. Yeah, for, yeah. I know Def Leppard did that. Like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so set I'm, up I'm there. hoping that someday it comes back because we got the Prancel Center in Newark. And it's not the same. There's no lot. You know, you got a, these crazy scattered parking lots all over the city, more like the garden. You know, it's it's, it's just not the same. It's, I like the, the Meadowlands and the Nascoseum and the Philly, those big lots what, that you could tailgate in. What do you like that. call that arena? Like, in your heart, what is that arena called to you? Because I'll tell you what it's called to me. Which, which arena are you speaking of? The one in uh, by the in the Meadowlands there. Like, what do you call it? Oh, uh Metal Lance, okay. Arena. I call it the Brendan Byrne Arena. That's what it'll Brendan always Byrne. be to me. You know that's what I mean? Good. That's what it was when I was growing up, and the Sabres played the Devils there. To me, that's what it's called. You know, and and there's you know corporate sponsors be damned, right? All these Continent, Continental, then I Yeah, all these different names. Like here in Buffalo, the football stadium. I call it Rich Stadium. That's what it was called my whole life. You know, I don't even know what they call it today. It was funny because uh, it would say the Brendan Byrne Arena on the arena in the eighties. But in the WWF and the event centers, Mean Gene and Sean Mooney always called it the Meadowlands Arena. Don't know why. Right. And Interesting. Some 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 concert tickets would say Meadowlands Arena. You go you get another band, Brendan Byrne Arena. Who was Brendan? Do you know? He was a governor in uh, governor? The state of New Jersey. Okay, yeah. got it. Interesting. All oh, right, governor. 
Anything it else? Seems like, anything? It seems like old times reference here, Chevy Chase move. <laughs> anything else about the spectrum? Uh, probably a lot more stuff. It's just not coming to me now. Because well, and we and listen to the a, other episode. We probably talked about more that well, it, it is kind of a hometown base for me. I mean, I get in the car now with no traffic and be there in just over an hour. You know, it's it's an it's an easy ride. And I just <clears throat> I just saw the crew in the in the Philly stadium did a stadium tour in Philly stadium. So we did the ride out there. It was much easier than getting to Queens, which for the crew the day before that. Right, that's wild. Yeah, fucking yeah, New York. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, pain in the ass. Philly's easy to get to. Unbelievable. All right, let's move on to the great John Tenta. May he rest in peace. Uh, John Tenta, of course, John Anthony Tenta Jr., born June 23rd, 1963, died June 7th, 2006. And Dave and I were talking about, before we started, Dave and I are 42. Uh, So he passed away at the age that we are. He was born in uh, Surrey, British Columbia. I hope I said that right. Probably not. Um, and, uh, he was of course, uh, known to the wrestling world as earthquake. Uh, he also had many other ring names, including avalanche, the Canadian earthquake, earthquake Evans, Golga, the shark. There's a bunch of them. Uh, he's built at six, six, 468 pounds, uh, build from Vancouver, British Columbia, build from Mount Everett, Washington, the great barrier reef. Um, built from all kinds of places. He debuted in 1987 and retired in 2004. Uh, trained by the giant Baba, uh, oh. Terry Gordy, and a couple of other gentlemen as well. Uh, he was named after his father, and he was, get this, Dave, 11 pounds and three ounces at birth. Who would have thunk? <laughs> <laughs> um, he decided to pursue wrestling at the ripe old age of six. Uh, he was inspired by wrestlers Gene Kaninsky and Don Leo Jonathan. Okay. Uh, he started out in sumo wrestling. Uh, he had moved to Japan. Oh, wait, before that even, uh, which is kind of cool, we should mention this. Uh, shortly after his 18th birthday, uh, he finished sixth in the Super Heavy c- category at the World Junior Wrestling Championships in Vancouver, and he won an athletic scholarship to LSU. Louisiana State University, where he competed in NCAA-level college wrestling. He was nicknamed Big John there, and he lettered on the wrestling team and participated on the football team. Uh, LSU dropped wrestling, sadly, in 1985, uh, forcing Tenta to choose a new sport. Why did they drop it? Title IX. Uh, He then walked on to the LSU football team, one of the biggest football programs in the country. I didn't know that. He walked on where he played some junior varsity games as a defensive lineman. He was known as the Quiet Giant while employed as a bouncer at LSU College Bar, the Bengal. Uh, He also played rugby union for LSU's rugby team. So a great career. um, as What an athlete, obviously, right? To be able to walk on and participate in football at all at LSU is ridiculous, whether it was junior varsity or varsity. He's another one of those top five uh, real life tough guys that the wrestlers say. Yeah, know, and I'm how, sure how would I, I'm sure yeah. we'll get into more of that because then he moved to Japan after college to c- pursue a career in sumo. Um, he was recruited by a former Yokozuna who met him on a trip to Vancouver. Isn't it funny just saying that? It is funny for, for our listeners. Yep. Yokozuna. Yep. What that means is that, uh, world champion sumo wrestling. Sure. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's wild. Good name. Yeah. They picked the perfect name for him. Perfect uh, name. Yep. Yeah. 
In October of 85, he joined a sumo stable, and uh, he didn't even start the sport until he was 22. Uh, he entered nearly seven years later than most people um, and still uh, did so uh, relatively successfully. So tip of the cap to him for all of his athletic uh, endeavors. Um, in 1986, he competed in three different um, you know, uh, competitions went seven and zero, seven and zero, and seven and zero. Wow. Yep. And then went zero, zero, and seven, and retired. So, um, he he did what he did, and he did it pretty well. Uh, so the second part was seven draw draws. I guess right, zero, zero, and right. seven. That's the way it's written. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Is there, I, I don't know much about sumo wrestling. Neither do I. But, uh, yeah. Unless it's, for this. it's like I know like in soccer records, they'll usually put draws in the middle. So I don't know if that means seven losses. But either way, maybe someone who knows sumo better can can uh, email us. But either way, after leaving sumo, what's right right there in the country of Japan for him to dip his feet in? How about some uh, wrestling under the tutelage of Giant Baba? Uh, he made his professional wrestling debut with All Japan Pro Wrestling on May 1st, 1987. Team with Giant Baba. He had a solid 18-month career there uh, before getting the attention of the pro wrestling promotions in the United States. And he started with NWA All-Star Wrestling, where he competed as a babyface, but la- later turned heel. Then, of course, in 1989, uh, he makes some dark match appearances under his real name. And then the whole angle starts with him kind of being a guy in the crowd, right? Um, uh, and even before that, he was a, a lumberjack character named Earthquake Evans from the northern Yukon Territory, managed by Slick. Uh, and yeah, that, that one of those uh, dark uh, tryout yep. deals. And then he made his television debut on November 11th, 1989 on Superstars, where he was a plant in the audience as a normal spectator at the taping, held in Wheeling, West Virginia. And during a in-ring interview with Gene Okerlund, Dino Bravo challenged the Warrior to a strength competition. In order to demonstrate, Bravo and Jimmy Hart suggested they pick a random audience member to come into the ring and sit on the backs of Bravo and Warriors that did push-ups to see who could do the most. Warrior agreed, and Hart, after pretending to look around, centered his attention on the earthquake here. And uh, they bring him down. He pretends to be surprised. And uh, lo and behold... He's not quite as agreeable to sitting on the uh-huh. back of Dino Bravo uh, as to the earthquake as he was, or to Warrior as he was to Dino Bravo. So some splashes there. They beat up the Warrior, and his career is off and running. And that's if I could jump, I could jump in there real quick. Yeah, I had a little funny story. Uh, that day of Superstars when that happened, Earthquake came in. They said, "What is your name, sir?" John. And you know, Vince McMahon on commentary. Who is this mountain man? Mountain, this big giant mountain of a man. You know. So um, with the LJN figures later that day, we used to make up cards. I'm sure I said it before. You know, we'd write down. You know, Mister. Uh, even though if we wouldn't have the wrestler, you pretend another wrestler was him. So we pretended Bundy was Earthquake, obviously, but we didn't know his name yet. So on the card, it said, you know, Ultimate Warrior versus John the Mountain Man. So that that was his name. Love it right away before before he was uh, he was officially named the next week. <laughs> yeah, so he he had his run in the WWF initially. He left in '94. Did some WCW for a few years. Um, he returned to the WWF. He 
did some independence at the end of his career. And then sadly, uh, he retired in 94 after it was revealed that he had developed bladder cancer. And he was given a 20% chance to live, assuming he continued with his treatments. During his November 18th interview on Russell Crap Radio, he announced that a recent radiation dosage did not go as planned and had no effect on the tumor. He also announced that tumors had spread to his lungs. Uh, on June 7th, 2006, he sadly died of bladder cancer at the age of 42. Uh, the first public notice of the death was posted on WWE.com. On June 9, 2006, edition of SmackDown and the June 12, 2006 edition of Raw, WWE showed a bumper that read, Rest in Peace, Earthquake, John Tenta, before each show began. Seemed like every week in those mid-2000s. Someone was dying, right? Was, oh, my yeah. God. They were just going dropping like fly. I mean, we still get them now, but it's a, it's a little more far and few between. And somewhat but more natural good, occasionally as yeah, well. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Not as tragic. Right. An older man like yeah. Mean Gene. Or, yeah. or but uh, my goodness, it was just one after the next uh, in, in those mid-2000s. Felt of relentless. This er- yeah, felt this relentless. era of guys. I remember the job I had and the, the desk I would sit at. And I, I had an uh, office job in the mid-2000s. And my friend Anthony began to work with me. He worked desk in front of me. Boom. You know, it felt like every day, Sherry we saw there, Earthquake, Boss Man, Hercules, Hawk. All of them right in that office, and then like the other people that I kind of knew wrestling, like, are you guys kidding? Like all your all your wrestlers are you know like every day someone else is dead. Crazy times. <clears throat> sad. Yeah, very I'm, sad. I'm, it, would, it would ruin my day. Unbelievable. Sure. Rest in peace to the earthquake. Before, just kind of generically speaking, earthquake. You a fan of him? You know, you were you a fan of him? How did he kind of affect your life as a wrestling fan? As a wrestler, you know. Loved him. I uh, like I say. I'm when we get to Fred Nichols' question later. I was already. I mean, he's a much older person than me, but I was advanced in this kind of stuff. I guess you call me a a a, a good guy, smart at the time. I'm not one of those one of those mean, nasty, stinky ones. Yeah, you're ahead um, of your time with all that. A little ahead of my yeah, time. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I hated him with the Hulk thing. But I hated Warrior more for beating Hulk. You know what I mean? For that. I knew Hulk was going to get his comeuppance, you know, come back and take out the Quake. So I just, you know, I guess I didn't like him during the Hulk feud. But then anything, anytime after that, he's just one of my guys. WWF guy through and through. Big guy. Loved it when he showed up in WCW. Loved it when, you know, he came back for the gimmick Battle Royal in WWF. Uh, you know, when he was the shark in WCW, I mean, sure. I felt bad that they threw that that gimmick on him, but it was still, a, you know, somewhat entertaining. But uh, yeah, oh, he's 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 one of my guys. Uh, I would have loved to. Um, he's somebody that just passed too soon. I don't have, you know, I, I love getting pictures with all my favorite wrestlers in the eighties and nineties. I don't have a picture with the Earthquake, unfortunately. Well, rest in peace to the Earthquake, and of course, we'll talk about him more later. All right. Now is one of my favorite times in the show because my big gums can stop flapping and I just sit back and take a break while Hollywood Dave Rollins tells us where Hulk was in August of 1990. Go ahead, Dave. Well, thank you, fine sir. I'd like to apologize to our audience. uh, This one's a little repetitive and a little boring, but it is what it is, right? We can't make shit up. So uh, this is what it is this time. Uh, August remember Hulk was injured by the earthquake in, in May on Super Size of Wrestling. Brother Love Show Earthquake did three 
sit down splashes to him. They did the big thing with Hulk being carved out on a stretcher. They did that awesome video tribute to Hulk. He might be retiring because of the injuries. It, it was a big deal. So Hulk was off pretty much of the summer filming the first half <clears throat> of the uh, um, Oscar award-winning Suburban Commando. So um, August, not until August did Hulk return. And August 7th, Springfield, Illinois, it says it's a wrestling challenge taping, but it throws me off because it's a Brother Love show. But I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, Hulk Hogan was supposed to be the guest of Brother Love to discuss the upcoming match at SummerSlam with the earthquake, but it was canceled due to Hulk Hogan's father, Pete Pelea, having a triple bypass surgery. Interesting right there. And uh, uh, Mr. Pelea ended up living uh, until 2001, and his, his last wish was for Hulk to go back to the uh, WWF. He told him that's where he belongs, and oh boy, did he go back with a vengeance. So Hulk did that for a little pop there. August 17th, Tacoma, Washington, Tacoma, Dolan, only 5,800 watched Hulk Hogan go over Canada's strongest athlete, Dino Bravo. 818, San Francisco, Cal Palace, 6,500, once again, Hogan over Bravo. These are all warm-up matches for SummerSlam to get Hulk back in ring condition, I believe. August 19th, Long Beach, California, we got 10,000 for a sellout, Hogan over Bravo. August 20th, Phoenix, 7,500 at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum, Hulk Hogan over Dino Bravo. Keep in mind, most of these matches have Earthquake interfering and then Tugboat interfering on Hulk's part. So you got a little of that mixed in. It's not just Hulk and Dino Bravo out there. You got a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of heat with the Quake going on. Um, 825, once again, the Harrow Arena in Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio, Oak Hogan over Bravo. August 26th, Niagara Falls over there in Steve's Neck of the Woods, the Convention Center. Hogan over Dino Bravo. Yeah, I was there. Oh, all right, all yeah. right. Memories? Uh, it's a birthday present. My birthday is September of uh, that, you know, of that year. So I know uh, my uncle uh, took me. My uncle Paul got the tickets. So you said the the convention center. So like when I first started going to shows, they were at the arena where the Sabers play. And then for some reason, maybe a little bit before this, they started being out in Niagara Falls, and that's near me, but. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, I, it's a lot closer to where I live now because I live in the northern suburbs. But um, it was a decent. I remember being decent. Like, and also, I remember back then, like, I went to Niagara Falls maybe once or twice a year, if that, you know. So it was a big deal to go there. And um, I think we went to the Hard Rock Cafe for dinner. And um, yeah, I remember Hulk and Dino. And yeah, you know, sometimes a lot of those shows sort of run together a little bit. Yeah, you know. Um, that's not that's not the most gigantic main event, but you yeah. see me call, calling off. Uh, aside from a Tacoma Dome, most of these are like these smaller, you know, mid-sized college basketball arenas. Yeah, this was you know, they, this they was not a big place. This yeah. was not a big place where 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 it was. It, and I never went to anything there except for that in a Green Day concert. Okay, so that's... I've been I actually been to Niagara Falls with my parents in '91, just you know, just for a vacation, no, no wrestling, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. All right, next, the very next day, Steve, you went home and you got together with your friends and family and ordered SummerSlam, August 27th. And I did do that. Yep, I did do that, yep. Uh, The Niagara Falls Convention Center must have been buzzing the night before. And, um, yes, it's in. We're going to be talking in depth about that in uh, just a few moments. Hulk Hogan takes on the earthquake. Next day, Hershey Park Arena, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Shout out to Shazad, our friend Chad. Big fan of the show who has all those awesome pictures backstage at Hershey Park Arena. 
We had a Superstars taping, a little bit of a difference here. Hulk Hogan and the Tugboat team up to go over Dino Bravo and Earthquake in the dark match. And that debunks the fact that Tugboat was really injured, why he wasn't at SummerSlam. I'll tell you why when we get to it. You know what? I'll tell you why in a few moments, actually. August 29th, Wheeling, West Virginia, the Challenge taping. Same thing in a dark match, Hulk Hogan and Tugboat over Dino Bravo and the Earthquake. Now, after this, for the first three weeks of September... Hulk Hogan returns to Hollywood to finish filming Suburban Commando. And this is where the Undertaker's uh, uh, parts were filmed. People confused that, thinking they were filmed earlier than that. This is where the Undertaker's <coughs> excuse me, parts were filmed. He was already set up with the WWF at this time to debut at Survivor Series. So three weeks of no Hulk. So the big boss man is the one who uh, filled in for Hulk with Earthquake on the road. They, WWF did not feel Tugboat was ready for that uh, type of commitment, that type of spot. So that's why the big boss man was switched to be in Hulk's corner at SummerSlam, and they took out Tugboat. There's so many other crazy reasons that go on. That Tugboat had a big head, and it was letting things get through his head. That's not true. I love Bruce Pritchard. I think most of the shit he says right, but I, I don't know about that sheet Tugboat deal. I mean, I'm sure it was considered him turning heel and joining Sergeant Slaughter's Corps a little later on. That kind of would have been cool. Him with a chic thing on, but I don't think he was going to be the leader in that scenario. I still think it would have been Sarge. But to have Tugboat as part of that, especially with Mustafa and Adnan, you know, I'm rambling a little bit here, but I think Tugboat would have been a nice fit there as a heel, as an Iraqi sympathizer. Sure, right? yeah, yeah, for sure. But not the lead guy, like Bruce says. But that's why he wasn't ready. Hulk's out another three weeks. Then when he comes back at the end of September, he goes on the road with Earthquake straight through February, brother. That's it. Very good. Very good. All right. So we will take a break. When we come back, we'll read the news. We will cover SummerSlam 1990, and we will go blow by blow in the Hulkster's return match against Earthquake. Uh, Let's take a break, Dave. We'll be right back. We'll be back. The World Wrestling Federation presents a double main event. The Immortal Hulk Hogan versus 476 pounds of the Earthquake. Plus, World Wrestling Federation champion, the Ultimate Warrior, defends against ravishing Rick Rude in the confines of a steel cage. Right now, and it should be a humdinger. 
24-inch podcast back, SummerSlam 1990. We're going to get to it in a minute. But first, Dave, it's time to read the news. All right, August of 1990, uh, August 1st, uh, let's get to it right away, get it off the list immediately, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof closes at the Eugene O'Neill Theater in New York City after 149 performances, I asked Dave, were you in the O'Neill, Eugene O'Neill Theater for any of these performances? Sir, I've never even heard of the Eugene O'Neill uh, Theater. And that that is a cat on a roof? Cat on a hot tin roof. Cat on a hot tin roof. Now, I might have been suntanning a couple times with a couple of... Well, another word for a cat on a hot tin roof. Mm. But that's about it. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see. The British pop reggae band UB40 uh, deported from... See Chelly's after being arrested on suspicion of marijuana possession. Uh, I love those. I love those uh, memes out there. If they're like, if you recognize this song, you be forty, and it's like one of their songs. Right. And they're saying like, yeah, you must be forty, at least forty years old. Pretty very clever. Very clever. Uh, yeah. October second to a twenty third, San Diego Comic Con International opens at the Holiday Inn. One of the most famous, obviously, Comic Cons in the world. This blows my mind, brother, because I didn't. In my head, there were no dorks in 1990. You know, <laughs> and apparently, so I don't know how the hell there were Comic Cons back then. I, I'm, I would say it didn't start up until you know the internet started. People started becoming know-it-alls and this and that. I'm just kidding. It's, it's cool. I, I would, I would find something to do at a Comic Con for sure. Right, but rest, I did not. Wrestlers are there not, all the time. Yeah, I did, I did not know it stretched back that far, though. That that part, I, I wasn't... And that was the 23rd, so that means it stretches back into the, what, 60s? I, I guess it didn't become... Imagine, like, other people being like, wow, there was WrestleMania in 1985? Like, like, sure, exactly. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I guess it didn't blow up until maybe people didn't start coming from all over, just like WrestleMania. Like, now, Wrestle, back in the day, WrestleMania was, was for the city. I mean, you right, saw... Now it's an inter- international event, yeah. That's why Hogan gets booed now because all the marks come from sure. all over. Not the people. If it's just people in the city, they'd be going nuts for, for him. You know, there'll only be a couple of smarks there. August 2nd, Iraq invades and occupies Kuwait. That's going to play deep into our, yeah. uh, our show here. And, and, uh, shows and then the next day, or the same day, actually, U.S. President George H.W. Bush orders troops to Saudi Arabia. Uh, let's right. see. What else do we got here? Oh, August 3rd, 98. Where bagpipes are hot and Baghdad, Baghdad's not. Nah, that's right. Woo. Uh, August 3rd, 98.8 degrees in the UK. It's a record. So I guess global warming was in uh, full effect. Uh, yeah, wow. It, yeah, it's usually like cold and foggy. Like, right? Yeah, Something? it's not the best, uh, best weather. weather. Uh, Jim Palmer and Joe Morgan are inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Joe Morgan, of course, was the second baseman on the Big Red Machine teams of the 70. Dave, what team was nicknamed the Big Red Machine? Uh, I'm going to go Boston. The Cincinnati Reds, brother. Come on now. Oh, uh, okay. Reds. Yeah, Reds, Reds, Reds. Boston is kind of red, right? Red in there. 
Yes, the Red Sox. That's all right. Good, That's good, all good right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. The op- Operation Desert Shield, uh, August 7th. U.S. deploys troops to Saudi Arabia, beginning Operation Desert Shield. April 8th, Carlton Fisk ties Johnny Bench, hitting 327 home runs as a catcher. Uh, Pete Rose begins a five-month prison term at a federal WWE. prison camp. WWE Hall of Famer, yes, indeed. WWE Hall of Famer, great he, Pete Rose. They put him in the Hall of Fame, what, for taking a couple of uh, tombstones from, from uh, Kane? That was his... Kane, yeah, yeah, three years in a row. And it, I, you know, I was not... I mean, I love Stone Cold and Vince McMahon angle and, you know, grew to love The Rock. But that time was really not for me with WWF. I was over in WCW at the time more. Not me. And, I was uh, the opposite. So. Yeah, no, I just I just wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling the angles anymore. It was too stupid. In, in my opinion, but I did enjoy that Pete Rose stuff very, very much. I'm, I'm happy to happy to put him in. And uh, Bobby Heenan was put in the same year, and he says, "I got a confession to make. I bet on wrestling." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 1997 WWF, one of the top five years, probably for me. Maybe maybe top ten. Maybe not quite the top five. But... 97, really? Okay, great year. That's when it started. Uh, yeah, 97. I, I yeah, when Brett had his uh, Heart Foundation crew in 98, 98, 99, 2000. Is is a little rough for me. Then started picking up uh, when uh, Hulk came back in '02. Then it would have its ups and downs for me ever since. Right. In other words, Most, you mostly downs. you basically just stay loyal to the Hulk, and I yeah. stay loyal to the the WWF. Right. So yeah, right, right. Um, August 12th, Iraqi President Saddam Hussein says he's ready to resolve the Gulf crisis if Israel withdraws from occupied territories. That strategy didn't work. Um, a lot of Iraq here this month. August 14th, Denver votes for a 1% sales tax to pay for a baseball franchise who later became the... Um, I don't know. I'm sorry about this. Colorado Rockies. Colorado oh, Denver, Colorado. Okay, yeah. I'm thinking Denver something. Denver something. I'm going to say Nuggets. That's basketball. That is basketball. But, uh, yes. Yeah. At least I knew that. There you go. Uh, what else do we got here? Lots of, uh, like I said, lots of Iraq stuff. You know, this happened this day, this happened that day. Uh, August 17th, Phyllis, Phyllis Polander sues Mike Tyson uh, for sexual harassment. Around this time in 1990, we started the downfall. That was a thing uh, to do. Around uh, that yeah, time. Mike Tyson. Uh, August. Back, yeah, what was her name? The model. Like she was knocking on his door for some, hey, you have uh, any extra sugar in there? I ran out. I'm trying to have a glass of coffee. What the hell is she doing in his room? Desiree Washington. Great Iron Mike Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, August 20th. This owner stepped down as the owner of the New York Yankees. Oh, Billy Martin. He was already dead. Was he the owner? No. He was already dead by this time. Come on. You know who owned the New York Yankees for years and years and years, right? You live in New Jersey, North New Jersey. This guy's iconic. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. Um, Of course I know. Uh, on Seinfeld. And, yep. Uh, there you go. You're Bobby on Ray, it. Bobby Raheen's friend. Yep. You're on it. His name is. I'm uh, just drawing a blank. Give me the initials. Uh, he shares a first name with a Seinfeld character, main character in Seinfeld. This is his first name. The guy who. Oh, yeah. George. George. Um, S. Steinbrenner. There you go. All right. All right, what That's else? Got, okay, again, the 23rd of August, 46,000 uh, reservists called to the Persian Gulf. This is the obviously the month when everything really started going, which eventually led to the uh, you know, to the conflict there, the 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 first uh, Garth 
the first uh, war down there. August 27th, right. No Fences, the second studio album by Gareth Brooks, is released. And it was, it was so weird. I remember MTV would do these count, you know, countdowns. They wouldn't show his videos, but I was big on, in MTV in 91, probably more than ever. But they would say what the top 20 Billboard albums of the, of the week are. Always be this guy, Garth Brooks. Yeah. Like, Who the fuck is it? Who? You know, like Motley Crue be number two, Guns N' Roses be number two. You know, um, even Nirvana a little bit down the line. <clears throat> but Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks. Yeah. I remember when I was in the ninth grade, one of my communication classes, we used to have this thing called personal projects. And you could bring in like some media of something, you know. And I remember this one girl brought in a Garth Brooks album. And played uh, this song, and I, I swear to God, it's the first time I'd ever heard a Garth Brooks song, despite having heard his name like you did over and over again for, you know, for years at that point. But I don't know before that if I had ever heard one of his songs or anything. Mm-mm. This is a little real- bit later. My friend, my friend Ron was a big fan, so you know, friends in low places. Yeah, that's probably. I don't the- know a lot of brain farts tonight, but I, I probably know three or four of his but- songs, maybe like. Thunder Rose. Thunder Rose. Thunder, That's the one Thunder the girl Rose. played that yeah. time. Yep. Yeah. Um, August 27th. I'm reading this only because it's incredibly fascinating to me that they thought this was important enough to put in here. On August 27th, the Blue Jays and Brewers Major League Baseball game is delayed for 35 minutes due to gnats. Like bugs? Yeah. Hmm. Like, isn't That's it, pretty wild. Isn't it just fascinating to you that they felt that that needed to be Included in the most important news stories of August of 1990. Yeah, it must have been not much going on but it was just aside <laughs> from the Persian Gulf. And uh, I would love to know who who, does, who works on this site. Remember those things that used to? I, I was saying this to my sister this summer with bugs. Those things that used to like they're like electric and you'd like hang them from your garage, like shed roof or something. They zap the bugs when they went in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what, what were they called and what happened? The hell happened to them? Yeah, what I mean, I, we just call them the bug zapper, right? I mean, it's what? one of those things you just called generically, probably around no more right i have i mean years i haven't seen one of them i don't know is it considered cruelty to bugs or something now uh, is that a thing i don't know or uh, was, it, was it just a fad i don't know i mean everybody had them august 27th i mean they still sell fly swatters right yeah we got one i swat the hell out of those fuckers uh august 27th i mention it because they're actually right for once uh SummerSlam. it says here the ultimate warrior beats rick rude so that's their Ugh. Uh, big remembrance of the night. Yeah, main yeah. event, my ass. August. What do we? What do we, we get, get to break that down? August 29th, the great Saddam Hussein declares that America can't beat Iraq. Wow, and sounds like a wrestling angle coming to me, yeah, brother. We shall see. Uh, August 31st, baseball outfielders Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. become the first father and son to play on the same team. The uh, Kansas City Royals. Seattle Mariners, brother. Oh, uh, the pair hit back-to-back singles in the first inning and both scored. Uh, and then lastly, August 31st, East and West Germany sign a treaty to join legal and political systems. So East and West Germany, I guess, essentially becomes Germany. Take it, it. it reminds me of that song uh, by the Scorpions. Wind of Change. The Wind of Change, yes. One of the most underrated bands in the United States of all time, in my opinion. There's nobody sounds like Klaus Mine when you hear that voice. Yeah, beautiful voice. All time fans. Tito loved them too. One of my favorite bands. I've seen them a handful of times. Never disappointed with the Scorps. Uh, Great band. And that's the news from 
August of 1990. Yep. All right, Dave. Well, with that all said, it's time to jump into SummerSlam 1990. SummerSlam. Yep. Of course, we mentioned it was August 27th of 1990. And it was held held in the Philadelphia Spectrum. And uh, let's start here, Dave. So I told you. Another time that we've done a SummerSlam, and it holds true here. It was always close to my birthday, I guess, what, four days before this time. Uh, So my parents would always let me get it and have friends over, and we watched it, and we had a sleepover, and this event was no different. How about for you, Dave? What are your memories of watching SummerSlam 1990? Uh, I'm going to take you back two days prior, uh, that Saturday, for uh, Superstars. I mean, I never missed... Superstars, I taped them all. I still have all the VHSs. I have everything here. Some of the stuff you see on YouTube came from me. That's a whole other story. <clears throat> you know, came from my collection. And uh, for some reason, that day, uh, right around this time, Superstars got pushed from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. So there was a little bit of time to go out and play and horse around outside before Superstars would come on. And just for, I always would make it, but for some strange reason, that day, I didn't get into the house and get my tape in the machine and get it going until the first match had started. And I hear Vince, and I hear another voice. It's not Jesse. And I'm just t- who is that? I mean, it sounds familiar, but without seeing the introduction, even though you know the voice well, is that Roddy Piper? You know, it, it, it was just like, what? Mm-hmm. And I, I just, it, it just, I wasn't even like paying attention. It just bobbled me in my mind. Like, where's Jesse? Why they're not saying what? Is Jesse going to come and challenge Piper and say something? And like the guy, they're not even mentioning Jesse. Like, so weird. Then, you know, SummerSlam, you know, um, yeah, I, I remember having uh, friends over the uh, <clears throat> same ordeal. Monday night, I remember like just like my, one of my sisters being home at the beginning and my dad was at work. I my mom might have been at work. These are Monday nights. <clears throat> I have a few friends over and there's Piper again and no gorilla. It's Vince. Gorilla had is uh toe removed uh during this time that's why you missed the pay-per-view but it just seemed weird it seemed like a saturday night's main event this pay-per-view that's why i love it so much i think because there's so much backstage stuff going on this is an odd pay-per-view and it stands out for me but it just seemed like every the world had changed where's jesse where's gorilla right what's going on here well that's you know? one thing about these early summer slams is there we never got a gorilla jesse summer slam that's correct, right? You know, you know the, yeah. The first year, you know, Jesse at was least a, that was that was explained, like, right? Right. He like, was wrestling, yeah. so you know, yeah, yeah. yep, or uh, raffing in the match, yeah. yeah. So he didn't do it, and then '89 was Shivani and Jesse, and then '90 Shivani was around yep. and doing challenge and stuff, so yeah, makes sense. So, uh, but uh, at the Spectrum, nineteen thousand three hundred four. I mean, that's jam packed in that place. I mean, jam packed. You know, uh, in the rafters basically uh doug dubbed the biggest party of the summer um one of the original big four it was the third one as we sort of mentioned um and uh we can uh we can get into and do you remember the saturday or the SummerSlam fever show sure usa network um, yeah it would be the sunday night a week before it's like a a week and a day before it'd be the sunday night uh, beforehand. Yeah, and just quickly, I guess I'll go through the matches. Smash defeated Nightheart 
Texas Tornado over Black Bart, Warlord versus Pez Watley, Volkov over Zukov, Power and Glory defeated Mike Mark Thomas and Mike Williams, uh, Jake Roberts over Mike Sharp, who then had to wash himself for six hours, uh, Mr. <laughs> Perfect defeated Ronnie Garvin, the Orient Express defeated Sonny Blaze and Shane Douglas, and then in the big main event, Jim Duggan defeated Earthquake by disqualification. So. All right, you know, a lot of kids... Back then, it'll be called the SummerSlam Spectacular. So they'd be like, Dave, SummerSlam's on TV tonight. Like, no, it's not. That's not SummerSlam. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. a SummerSlam yeah. Spectacular. Yeah. On you. No, it's not. It's that Monday. You come to my house and watch. No, no, no. I'm watching it. My dad told me that it's on USA Tonight, <laughs> SummerSlam. All right. Uh, you had to go through all that crap as a kid. Yeah. So much crap you had to go through. Uh, uh, you mentioned Vince, Vince McMahon and Roddy Piper are on commentary. Uh, Lord Alfred Hayes, Sean Mooney, and Gene Okerlund are working the mics in the back and all that. Uh, of course, the great Howard Finkel is the ring announcer. Four referees that night, Dave. Think you can name them? Uh, Joey Morella, Earl Hempner. I don't know if they're calling him Earl or Dave. They're still it calling was Earl. Earl. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's listed yeah, as Earl. Uh, so. It's Earl. Okay. Uh, Mike Kyoto. Mike Kyoto, yep. Earl Danny Hebner. Davis. Rene Goulet. Rene Goulet is a, not a referee. He was a, um, I'm having the George Steinbrenner brain fart again. He was an agent. Okay, well, he's listed as a referee, so. That, uh, that's incorrect. Incorrect. You should just write all this stuff, Dave. <laughs> Take over all of the uh, wrestling information. I'm sure where they wrote Rene Goulet, they meant Joey Morello. Because he comes down during the. Um, Nigolay does come down when Sapphire's not coming out. Right, and maybe that's what they, maybe that's what they meant yeah. in including him there, that he was yeah, the you know, agent referee. Yeah, I can picture him too with his blonde Who hair. Was the fourth, and, oh, they called him the fourth the fourth referee. This one was Renegolay. He's Never just he's just section. listed in the referee section, yeah. you know, with those guys. You know, he did like with Strongbow. Yeah, exactly. See him run down. Yep. So. All right, let's get to the card. So there was one dark match that night. Uh, and that was uh, Shane Douglas defeating Buddy Rose. I like that dark match. match. I like yeah. both those guys. It's probably a good match. Shane uh, Douglas uh, is Chet's third favorite wrestler of all time. Wow. And, uh, yeah, he loves the franchise. And I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of him myself. Very brilliant mind. You know, he speaks the truth. One of those guys, great heel, great baby face. And Playboy Buddy Rose, what can you say about him? Party animal like myself. And what a wrestler. And uh, the show kind of starts off with an iconic SummerSlam opening that includes the video of Stephanie jumping into Vince's pool, too, um, Right at the beginning. Uh, sort of a note there. Obviously, I didn't know at the time, but that, I don't, that, I just, that, that intro in general just always sticks out to me as one of the better ones they did back in this era. All right, first match up is Power and Glory. Uh, Paul Roman and Hercules with Slick. Defeated the Rockers, Shawn Michaels, and Mario Gennetti in six minutes. You mean, you mean David Bowie and Mick Jagger? I mean David Bowie and Mick Jagger, of course. There, but was, there was those rumors at the time about those two getting together maybe uh, between the sheets. Right. Uh, Bowie and Jagger. So that's what Piper was Piper was trying to – he was new at commentary, so he was trying to get a little uh, – Make a joke there. there. But unfortunately, yeah. Dave Bowie had a knee injury. Um, so they had, Fortunately, so we didn't, we didn't have to look at that jabroni. <laughs> right. So they had to, uh, hit him with the knee with the chain and kind of take him out of the match. Kind of a similar match to the one, the Bulldogs lost to the Hart foundation. Um, when right. they, very similar. Yeah. When they lost their belts, kind of the same idea. If you remember that one, 
um, where, you know, Dynamite wasn't really a part of that match. Sean's not really a part of this match. Mario Gennetti fights a good fight as long as he can. And then finally, Power and Glory put the uh, the great finisher that they had on him for the win. At six, right. at six minutes. Any thoughts on this match, Dave? Sure. I love seeing Hercules kick some ass. I'm a big Hercules fan. That's the right team to win. There's no way, not believable, that Shawn Michaels, even though I love Marty Jannetty, love him to death, great wrestler, it's not believable that they could beat up Hercules unless it's a quick roll-up or something. So it, it was, especially now that Shawn's on the outside, it was done correctly. But, uh, yeah, love seeing them just kick the crap out of uh, – these, you know, well, the one wuss and and credit to him. I mean, Marty. he does a great job taking the beating and really looks yeah, so oh, power and glory look like stars. Phenomenal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I wish he was the one that that uh, became the breakout star then because he was. You know, I have problems with Shawn Michaels obviously because I'm a Hogan fan, but I mean, Mar- Marty was just as good if he didn't yeah. have his demons and stuff. Sure, the same kind of wrestler, if not better, just as good. <clears throat> I always thought of him as like the. The captain of the team, more like the axe, you know, axe and smash, or you know, when you look at the captains of the yeah, team, Bret like Hart, the Bret Hart over yeah, over yeah, Hart, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. yeah, like one of those. So, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, I love that. I love the power plex. Love that finishing move, and uh, it looked like the power and glory are going for the belts. Yeah, for uh, sure. Uh, yeah, Sean Sean Mooney's backstage with Mister Perfect and Bobby Heenan. Perfect says he's never prepared for a defense on such short notice. Because he's perfect, challenges are few and far between. Bobby says he knows a lot about Texas Tornado. Because if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Tornado's head is in the clouds, and a tornado does never does damage, because you can spot it coming a mile away. And all they do is kick up dust and tip over a few mobile homes. Uh, really a gr- <laughs> great, great uh, heel job here, I thought. Um, Gene talks to the tornado, who says there are tornado warnings at SummerSlam, and perfect should be wary of the one coming to destroy everything in its path. He's powerful, unpredictable, and devastating. And when he heads back to the clouds, he'll be taking the Intercontinental title with him. Um, So a big, big opportunity here for Texas Tornado, a pay-per-view debut match. Um, And he's going to take the place of the injured Brutus Beefcake here. Dave, you want to talk a little bit about why that is? Yeah, it was the uh, unfortunate July 4th, the curse in professional wrestling, the same day Adrian Adonis was killed and again my my mind's all over the place i know who george steinbrenner is i just couldn't think of the name was escaping me and something else besides this happened in wrestling on july 4th it wasn't bruce brody it was his was close to july 4th but i think it was a little later in the month but there's another there's one more thing i think besides brutus and adrian on july 4th but bruce was in that parasailing accident uh girls knee if anybody knows what a parasailing is, it's almost like you have wings like batman and you're riding the thing, and your knees are exposed, and it got out of control, and her, Brutus and B. Brian Blair were, like, getting her to take off, and she took off and somehow turned around, and her, her knees crashed right into Brutus's face. And, um, you know, so he was out. He would have won the Intercontinental Championship here. So he, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but um, if I was watching this as an adult, you would know Tornado was going to win the belt because any time a baby face is a replacement, no matter what, they have to win. It, that doesn't matter. I don't care who it is, even if it's SD Jones. If a baby face is replacing another one, they have to go over. But what a baby face to go over here and, and uh, carry Von Eric. And I think the other July 4th curse moment you're thinking of is the death of Joey Morella. Right, right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right here in New Jersey. 
Yeah. Coming home, they were coming. Him and Harvey Whipple were coming home from Ocean City, Maryland. Yes, yes. And Joey fell asleep at the wheel. Harvey Whippleman, if you want to go on Jericho's podcast and go into his archives, uh, he has a fantastic interview with uh, Bruno, downtown Bruno, Harvey Whippleman, about that whole incident. Uh, Harvey Whippleman, it's one of the best podcasts I've ever heard. Get so in depth about it. Yeah, I was very upset about that. You know, I was 14 in 94, and that was Hogan's ref. You know what I mean? Joey yeah, Morales, absolutely. Gorilla, gorilla. Yeah. Gorilla Sun, oh man, it happened right here in New Jersey. That's the other one. Thank you for reminding me. That takes a little heat off of the Steinbrenner on me, <laughs> too, for not not remembering that. But um, yeah, yeah, those those three things. All right, well, First like fourth like Dave said, the Texas Tornado defeats Mister Perfect uh, with Bobby Heenan five minutes and fifteen seconds. Uh, he kind of does the punch, spins him around, um, and beats him. And I remember not being happy with this as a kid. I know that. Perfect was the heel here, but I hadn't, I guess, fallen in love with Texas Tornado in a way. I will say this, though. What an athlete, because I had absolutely no idea he didn't have two feet in those boots. You know, I mean, like, yeah. incredible to pull off what he did. Um, but, no, I just remember not being too thrilled about it for whatever reason. I, I guess I had a soft spot for Mr. Perfect, who's definitely in my top five all time. I think he's one of the best ever. So uh, Before I get to it, I just want to let you know that Mr. Perfect is also in my top five all times. Yeah. However, I, I was into this uh, okay. because uh, I used to watch World Class After School on ESPN. Yeah, so I, I did very too. Familiar yeah, with I watched that. Yep, I remember watching and that as well. They yep. would show repeats. Like if it was 1988, they might be showing 1983 mm-hmm. when they were fighting the Freebirds and stuff. So they would show reruns like regular cartoons after school would do. So I got very familiar with them. And of course, from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Yep. I didn't like – I'm getting off subject, but I could never get into NWA uh, before Hogan went over there, WCW. But anyway, but World Class I like. And so I knew this guy, and I knew his credentials, reading the magazines, watching World Class after school a few years earlier. So I was pumped up and, and really ecstatic when he won the belt. However, after that, it was kind of just like blah, like he did nothing. Yeah, nothing like, great happened after. And that's yeah, probably his demons, like, mm, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Pretty much got the belt back a few months later, and uh, that was it. But I was uh, jumping for joy. Uh, I got to admit, so he and he has awesome music. Tornado. That oh music yeah, yeah. That's really coming, good. You know, coming down the aile. Yeah, it was. Dun, it, 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 was it had everything. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like oh, he was almost like the ultimate warrior without the annoying stuff. You know what I mean? It was fair. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's a shame it didn't work more because it really looked like he, he was going on to be. The superstar, maybe that Bret Hart became a few years later. It wasn't for the demons. Gene is backstage, and he said he was planning to talk to Sapphire, who was with oh, Dusty earlier, but is not available. Uh, Perfect and Bobby Storman, and Bobby's flipping out, saying Tornado broke the rules of the match, and then threatens to knock out Gene. Perfect talks some shit and says he has a lump from the post, and he will back to reclaim what belongs to the family. Bobby says it was terrible officiating. Tremendous job by both of these guys, I think, on this. Just really good. Every uh, time Bobby loses a belt in a pay-per-view, they do this. He did yeah. it rude at SummerSlam 89. He comes in and interrupts uh, his good personal longtime friend, Mean Gene, there with something. So All right. There must have been a little inside thing with them. So next, uh, Sherry's in the ring. Full cat makeup and mask ready for the showdown. Nine months they've been building this matchup. Uh, Dusty Rhodes American Dream hits. No Sapphire. 
Wait a bit. Music rolls again. Nothing. Roddy says maybe the polka dots turned to stripes. I guess saying <laughs> she went to jail. Pretty uh, good. Still nothing. Roddy wonders if she's making pancakes. Maybe. That's uh, a little rough. Eventually, Renee Coulet comes out and talks to the ref and Fink, and we get an official count from the ref and Fink of 30 seconds. And Vince says he doesn't think she can make it in that time. Once Fink hits 10, Sherry screeches along into the mic. Sapphire is counted out. Sherry celebrates the big win. Uh, Nothing, you know, in terms of wrestling here. They're pushing along the storyline, but I thought it was well done. And I thought that uh, Sherry, uh, in retrospect, when I watched it this week, uh, looked delicious in her silver dress. Very, very voluptuous. Yes, her cat outfit. She looked... uh, she looked very nice. I'm sure that uh, Rick, when he took her out to Space Mountain, enjoyed that thoroughly. Right. I remember the Hulkster first, brother. He's the one that broke her in. And I'm sure Hulk enjoyed it as well. And he broke her. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I love mysteries. I love Scooby-Doo. I love Law & Order SVU. I lo- uh, this is my stuff. This is why it reminds me of a Saturday Night's Main Event more than a pay-per-view. We got an ongoing storyline. Royal Rumble 91 when we do that. We did that already, but it's, it's kind of similar. It's storyline inside the pay-per-view. This is wild. And me and my buddies are all thinking about what could have happened to Sapphire, baby. Then I figured it out. Here. I'm not going to say it now, but I figured hey, who's not wrestling tonight? <laughs> and they were running the vignettes. Well, they were running the vignettes of her getting a new Cadillac or this, that, the other thing. I figured it out before, before it happened. Yep, Gene is with Dusty, who has no idea where Sapphire is. And he's been asking around, but she disappeared into thin air, and he's worried. Hacksaw makes one of the all-time cameos. The best. Oh, my God. He just comes out of nowhere. They ask him if she knows where she is. I don't know, Dust. We're going to keep looking for her. Now, let me tell you something. I I know in hindsight this has gotten popular on social media. Has it? In the podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I I didn't know that. All the wrestling podcasts. But really, me and Skyler School right here in Kearney, Jersey, me and Ronnie Simone, <clears throat> we don't know I haven't dust, but we're all still looking for her. I mean, for years after this, and we just it it, it just worked. It kind of reminds so, me so so well. It reminds me of uh, big gulps, huh? All right, yeah. yep, see you later. You know, Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> right? Right, it's something it just, like that. It, it, it was the right guy. For yeah, it. I mean, if it was Tito Santana, it might not have worked. Oh, it worked. I mean? it worked. It worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dusty, <laughs> Dusty voice is concerned about the lavish gifts, and then heads out. <laughs> Continue the search. I wonder. I don't want to tell you off. I wonder if like Hacksaw is like standing there, lacing up his boots or something. They're like, dude, dude, go and do this real quick. Real yeah, quick. yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably it was probably some spare of the moment thing. Uh, Gene reminds us that Sapphire said she'd be receiving the biggest gift of all at SummerSlam, but she may not be here to, to receive it. That's when I was like, mm-hmm. Yep. What card? Where was there a pay per view since 1987 without Ted DiBiase on it? Yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. We'll see if he catches. We'll see if he uh, shows up later. All right. Um, the Warlord with Slick defeats Tito Santana. Uh, five minutes and twenty-eight seconds. I mean, Warlord is just jacked out of his skull here, um, and is really stiff, kind of throwing him back and forth. I mean, just unbelievable uh, uh, work by Tito. I mean, he really works his off his ass off in this match. Putting these guys over. Yeah. Like he really does work hard, and I, I don't necessarily have anything more uh, to say about it other than that. But I mean, huge props to to Tito who just busted his ass in this match with a, a very stiff. 
partner in the ring. I don't like seeing Tito and Snooker, this was going on at the same time, taking these clean losses. I mean, if this was the way they used to treat the mid-card babies in 87, 86, 87, 88, maybe Slick could distract them a little bit, jab them with the cane a little bit, then go up for the power slam. I don't like it. It doesn't work for me, brother. I don't like Tito going down clean like that. I mean, you could still get the Warlord over with a little cane jab or a, a little something, hook the tights. Yeah. I mean, Tito's not SD Jones and Corporal Kirshner. You know what I mean? It it it, it hurts. And back then, I'd be pissed too. It's Snooker too. They say they were doing the same thing to him. I I I I'm never on board with it. All right, the highlight of the night for me now. Let's get into it. Mooney is backstage with Demolition, and he gives the background on Crush joining the group, and says he see that the fans see this as an unfair advantage. Mooney says only two members are supposed to be here, but says read the fine print. Only two at ringside. They run through all the possibilities and they say it's too late for the Hearts to catch on to their games. And they will demolish the Hearts. Mooney says if they can win tonight, LOD's up next. Crush calls them imposters. Really, really great work here, I thought, by the guys. Maybe it's me and X. Or maybe it's me and Smash. You know, you know just really good. Really good stuff. Next, Gene is, away. Yeah, Gene is with the Hearts and asks if it was dis- disconcerting to not know their opponents. Brett said it's been confusing and is surprised it isn't the original most experienced members, Axe and Smash. Anvil says he just goes in there and doesn't care. Brett, you know, it's a think. They don't pay me to think. Uh, Brett says they're anxious to be champs again and now they have to worry about two demos uh, and fucks up and says Axe and Crush. He meant Smash and Yeah, Crush. he did. Yeah. And let me throw in real quick that there would be no 24-inch podcast for anybody that's listening right now if it wasn't for this match. Because uh, Steve told the story. Yep, and I'm going to tell her. Yeah, let's do it here uh, right now. Yeah, If you want to tell, yeah. you tell. You're, you're better than me. At yeah, that. so an, the story. an iconic moment here is the promo ends yeah. uh, with Brett saying, like the songs, like the Phil Collins song says, two hearts beating as one. Now, when Paul was born, and um, I guess it – it maybe went even a little bit before Paula was born. For whatever reason, I was watching this pay-per-view. You know, she was born June 16th, so maybe it was getting close to summer. I felt like watching a SummerSlam. Whatever it was, I was watching this. And I heard that, that line, Brett say that, you know, two hearts beating as one. And um, actually, you know, let me get Paula in here real quick. Hey, Paula! Come here, baby! Hey, hey, Paula! <laughs> so, uh, so I... um. It was just in my mind, just that 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 thought of that and that that line, two hearts beating as one. You know, I'm getting ready to be a new dad. And when Paul was born, that was the song I would sing her. You know, I would sing her two hearts were two hearts. It's been our thing still to this day since uh, she was six years old. This was just um, it was this Brett saying that it just clicked in me in some way. And when she was born, it's something I brought with her. And then I remember one night when she was young, because Tammy and I, we didn't do the whole sleep deprivation thing we split up and uh, i would sleep in the mornings she would sleep at night and i was up with her late like three o'clock in the morning and feeding her and I'll i had that and yeah and i had that on the and on the um dvd on the uh on my ipad watching it and um you know because i i'd remembered the moment and i thought about it and yeah you know it's just uh it's one of those things that maybe just, it's when the network was was new yeah so it could have been that probably, that yeah, could have been why yeah, just you know there was just something about me hearing it that night and relating it to becoming a father and 
you know, I, I was just telling Paula this story the other day that she was maybe uh, six or seven months old, um, something like that, maybe even a little less. And we were up, sitting on my brother's deck in the backyard, and my both of my brothers were there. My mom was there. It was a little family get-together, so we're sitting on the back, and they were playing just like a 90s music playlist or something, like generic on the music behind. It's kind of just background, you know? And Paula's just kind of bouncing on my lap, and that song came on, and she went crazy. She started shaking her little hands and her feet and got all excited it was on, and everybody saw her reaction, and just, you know, it was just like even by then already because she was – you know, young enough to be just bouncing on my lap and, and drooling and teething kind of that stage. You know, she had already identified it as a song that was special to her. I have this great video of us kind of singing it together when she's like maybe one and a half or two. Um, that when I don't feel too hot about life or something, I might go back and watch. But I don't know where she is right this second. We'll talk to her about it later. She'll tell you from her perspective right. as well. Um, it's a best two out of three. Uh, well, no, anyway, but, yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, from your side. Yeah, from your side. Um, uh, P. Rinson, uh, greetings from Allentown. I, I would never miss it. Every Thursday, was, it was he would do a, a syndicated WWF TV show. Phenomenal. And then um, greetings from Allentown. If anybody wants to check out his archives. But then uh, he would do a show with you. Everything escaped me. The name escaped me. Yeah, the Adams Division podcast. Adams Division podcast. So it stuck with me. You you told the story about Brett doing uh, doing this i don't know what, what, what the topic was with you guys but i don't know if i messaged you would be like dude that that's my favorite tag team match of all time and that's how we became that's how we became friends yeah and through that just such a great match here and I'm, I'm excited to talk about it a little bit um two years later a tag team title rematch because of course they fought each other um in SummerSlam 88 as well good step in place uh, demo has really twisted around since WrestleMania to full-blown heels again. Remember, they got that huge pop when they won the belt. Crazy, yeah. As much as I love this match, it's it's a, it's bittersweet again. I'm going to bring that word up again. I love this match, but I mean, come on, LOD should have come in as the heels. They're from the WCW. They're from the NWA. You know, right? Yep, you're right. I, I, not when he got hot, baby. I guess if maybe if Axe didn't get sick. Yeah, maybe and, it's different. Yeah, and that's the reason. Maybe we should have said that's that. The that's reason. the reason there's three demolition. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then, and then Axe famously isn't around much past. He has that. Uh, Peter Winston loves it. The, his night at Survivor Series '90. Oh, his hair. And he has his hair, hair and everything. He's mm-hmm. have as it. But uh, all right. So crush and smash. Yeah, I, think, I think they promised him an agent role. And I think they might have told him that night. Yeah, that he was, series, he was out. That he's not getting the job. So yeah. Like, Fuck this. Yeah. I was looking my hair. But lucky he put the face paint on. <laughs> Crush and Smash <laughs> are the choices for the match, which Vince figures out based on their heights. Uh, we get deep into the song, thanks to the Hearts promo. Big pop for the Hearts, who are clearly fired up for this shot. Piper talks about the challenges of being a three-man unit and thinks it's a disadvantage for the champ. Brett and Smash open us up with some feeling out. And that goes on as Crush comes in and Anvil beats him out of the ring and the Hearts double team. Brett works over Smash and gets two on a roll-up. Um, really just a great match here. Uh, and we get Demolition winning the first fall. And I remember being very incredibly nervous when they won that first fall. Um, because it just seemed very daunting to think that they would be able to um, win two falls in a row. 
You know what I and mean? And there's no, there's no way in the world, I don't know about you, but probably you thought the Hearts are going to win because you know LLD's here. Yep. You think LLD's going to be the ones that beat Demolition for the belts, you know, and the next pay-per-view or the next whatever. You know, not, not the Hearts. You know, the LLD, they're, they're here. They're the new top faces. So, yeah, it didn't look good. All right. Um, a little bit later, Brett is in the moment he's trying to get to the anvil and he gets the hot tag. Anvil comes in. He's a house of fire. Cleans house. Pair of uh, close near falls. The crowd is rocking. The hearts pick up smash uh, into a battering ram and then they get the, they hit the heart attack um, and they're getting the pin. But Crush comes in and now's the ref for the DQ to tie the match up. Now, as a kid, I will admit in the moment, I was assuming the, the hearts couldn't win the title anymore. And I'll tell you why. Because, because yeah. of the Saturday night's main event match between the Hart Foundation and the Bulldogs, which was a best two out of three match that the Bulldogs won 2-0, but one of the falls was a DQ, and Jesse has his, his kind of moment. <laughs> ah, there like, is, like that kid in The, yeah. kid in the Simpsons, uh, the Nelson. <laughs> so like I wasn't sure if it was a DQ officially or if, it's not exactly clear when you're watching the match. I mean, he doesn't count the three, so I had no reason to believe it was anything other than a DQ. But I know personally, I thought watching it that they couldn't win the belts anymore, and I remember being really upset. Right. Um, right. Around this point, Axe comes out. He hides under the ring, and they start doing the, the switching thing. You know, uh, yeah, they're they're coming in and out. They're going under the ring, in the ring. Uh, and they're really getting away with it, and it's really starting to look bad for the hearts. Uh, and then out of nowhere, the LOD show up, um, and uh, they get a great pop, and they come out and they pull. Um, Philly's at NW. Philly. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. They definitely knew who was walking out. That's for sure. Not that everybody didn't know them, but still, Demolition were still the bigger stars. They're WWF. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Come on already. Yep. Axe is hiding. LOD shows up. They pull Axe out to a massive pop. And then Hawk slugs Crush off the middle rope. Smash leaves to help Axe. And Anvil hits a slingshot shoulder block on Crush. And Brett schoolboys him for the win and a monster pop. A monster pop. Great. Tremendous finish with pure chaos. And you can feel the heat in this match, right? Uh, just everywhere. Really worked well. Really great job. Um, the anvil just laughing over Brett after they won, like hovering over him. And then, yeah. Ah. And then when I right. saw them get the belts, I was so thrilled. I remember. It's been three years. Yep, three years. It's been a long time. Yeah. I remember telling my friend, it must oh. not have been a DQ in the middle. Um, and they got the belts. Um, this is uh, this is five stars for me. Like this is professional oh, wrestling for me. Absolutely. You know, this is everything I want in a match. You know, this 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 you know, Steamboat and Savage. You know, um, Bret Hart and Steve Austin at thirteen. You know, Hogan. This is what I love about Hogan Rock. Yeah, Hogan yeah. and Rock. These are five star matches to me. Um, so this is all of five for me and. We're not. We won't have been doing grades or whatever. But it's fourteen twenty. Well, not before this one. We are. It's yeah, five. yeah. Fourteen twenty four is the time. Two out of three falls match. New tag team champions. So already we have a new intercontinental champion, 
and we have a new tag team champion. Anything else you want to add, Dave, about this? Yeah, I was just, I wasn't surprised because I, I didn't think Brett was always my favorite. Bruce Beefcake was originally my favorite heel. Then he turned babyface. So then Brett was my favorite heel. Then he turned babyface. So I was a big Bret Hart fan, and he, and he would he, he lost the basically lost the singles feud to Bad News Brown. He would lose a lot. I remember losing to Akeem at the Garden and stuff. I'm just like, come on, Brett. Like, he, 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 he's so over and, like, so cool. Like, dude, like, gotta do something. So, I, but I still love Demolition, too. Yeah. You know, but, but so I kind of didn't know who to pick. So I still love Demolition at this time. But when Brett won, with, you know, in the Anvil, of course, as well. Oh, my God, was I so happy. I never thought in a million years because, you know, with my – Good guy, Smart. Not not today, Smart. The Smart in those days, Smart Mark. LOD are here. It, it makes perfect sense. They're going to take the belts. They turn demolition. They're the ones who can take the belts off off of demolition. Not not the hearts. The demolition are going to run them right over. But no, sir. Yeah, no it, surprise here. Yeah, wouldn't be till the next year that they finally get the. Uh, yeah, that's titles. crazy. It's yeah. A, should have at least been at WrestleMania 7. Yeah, That made no sense to me. Wait a whole year. Speaking of WrestleMania 7, we get a WrestleMania 7 promo next. And then Gene is backstage with a great line saying, it's a political year and tonight is a tough night for incumbents. Um, LOD walk in and say they hope Demolition are mad because they want them and they've been calling them out. A vintage kind of old school LOD promo here. The Hearts come in to celebrate and say they won't hide and will take on anyone, anywhere, no matter what the odds. Hulk says that the LOD fits in wherever they want. Uh, Demo can drink their woes away. Hawk strokes Anvil's good goatee. Really just underrated good backstage Segment. stuff in this Fun. show. Fun. So, something with SummerSlam. Piper the year before, after Rude lost to the Warrior, eating a gra- talking about eating a garage in the backstage. Regime. Something about SummerSlam has some... Has yeah, and the next year it. has the whole skits with the jail thing yeah. going through it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, skit, yeah. I was at that one actually. Yeah. Uh, the next year, yeah, the next year was fun too. These Summer Slams are, re- are really, uh, really hitting. I guess until uh, uh, I guess ninety three ish is yeah. when this really started. Going, you know, down maybe ninety two. And maybe that's a little boring. Maybe my favorite Attitude Era show for the WWF is SummerSlam ninety seven at the Brendan Byrne Arena. I was at that too. Yeah. The, if you want to consider the Attitude Era, that would be my favorite show as well. Uh, Mooney is backstage outside the demos locker room, and all you can hear is them screaming behind the door. He says threats are being shouted and directed at LOD, not the hearts. You know what sucks? You know what sucks, Steve? This is Demolition Swan Song. They didn't do anything else after this. Yep. They did those six mans with Axe Smash and Crush against uh, LOD and the Ultimate Ultimate Warrior at Mass Square, you know, all around the horn, uh, all the big arenas. That was a you know, the B-Show main event, and you had Hogan Earthquake at the other one. So, And then then after Axe leaves the Survivor Series, that's it. You know, they, they change their music. They get generic crap music. They lose to uh, uh, Tenru and Katao at WrestleMania 7, and then Axe Smashes becomes a jobber before it becomes Repo Man. What a sad coming off WrestleMania 6. I mean, you're getting the Road Warriors. I get it. I get it. Over. It's a, it's a screw up by them at the, in this, this era. This is WWF. Yeah. You could have started the Road Warriors as heels. Then when Axe retires or whatever, turn the Road Warriors LD baby face. But the demolition were so... And, and, and they would have been outpowered by the Road Warriors. So they're a little bigger, too. So they would have made more sense as them, them with the heels. But the, you know what? 
then we never would have got our favorite tag match that we love right now. Sure. So, yeah. So you can look at it either way. All right. So <laughs> Mooney tries to open the door and it gets slammed in his face. Real good Again, good stuff. Gina's with Sherry now who's celebrating her Not win. Not the first time that happened to him. Yep. That's true. She said she is so good that she intimidated Sapphire and I even show up. And that means she can gloat about it. Gene says something peculiar is going on with Sapphire, who's vanished. Sherry compares her to a UFO with all the sightings today and says maybe she's she isn't so dumb because she didn't show up for her beating. She also heard rumors that would make her the smartest person in the WWF, and she laughs it up. Sherry says she was missing and didn't say she was a person. <laughs> I, could ba- I could barely understand her in this promo. She was pretty, um, yeah, she was feeling it. Unhinged. She was, feel- she was, she was um, celebrating that victory, let's put it that way. And then she goes, we go to a five-minute intermission, which was uh, a staple of these pay-per-views back in the, in the day. Um, unheard of now, right? <laughs> They're never right. going to go to a five-minute intermission now, but we did now it. Imagine now they'd be yeah. all on their computers. <laughs> Where, where? I'm putting on AEW. <laughs> there, was do that. there was something cool about it back then, though. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're back, and Gene runs down the rest of the card ahead for tonight, and he shows us footage of someone peeking into uh, Brown's cage where we see a fake sewer rat against the cage wall. <laughs> we also get footage of Damien in the shower. Gene is joined by the boss man who has two jobs tonight. Promises to uphold the law in his next match. And he's been dealing with snakes and sewer dwellers his whole life and will ensure that justice prevails. That is very un-Vince McMahon. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. To have the same guy in two totally different things. Two things that don't intertwine at all. The Jake feud with Bad News and the Hulk feud with Earthquake. Especially Hulk's feud. To have the... I cannot figure this out. When they decided to go against Tugboat, I'm sure we'll get that later. They would say, okay, now Big Boss Man is with Hulk. He, all his his motivation and everything, he has to be with Hulk so he can no longer wrap this match. Roddy Piper's going to leave the booth and do it. Fine. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. I, I just can't fathom it. I think this is still bothering Vince to this day. Because this is not a Vince thing. Having the same guy in two separately... Like one, they didn't even like talk up. Like it, I don't know. It's hard for me to explain it. I don't know if you know what I mean. Mooney's with Duggan and Volkov, who are all smiles. Duggan says a few weeks ago, when he presented Nikolai with the flag, he was proud to have him as a friend, and tonight he's proud to have him as a partner. Volkov says Duggan is his idol. Mooney talks up Fuji, and Nikolai says, "Forget the Orient Express, because they are the American Express." Uh, mean Gene is... Wait, they're, they're Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Gene is with uh, Earthquake, Dino Bravo, and Jimmy Hart. Quake says there'll be a disaster tonight, just like the last time they went face-to-face, and we get clips of the original beatdown, as well as the attack on Tugboat. Quake says Tugboat rallied the maniacs to make Hogan come back, and says Hogan made the biggest mistake of his life tonight. Coming back too soon tonight, there will be two stretchers, one for Hulk and one for the boss man. Bravo says he will handle Big Boss Man and anyone else stupid enough to get involved. Jimmy guarantees your money worth tonight and promises two stretches as well. Quake says to call the Red Cross and get prepared because you can predict this Quake and Hulk will crumble for good. Uh, all right, a couple more promos here and then we finally get back to it. Uh, Mooney's with Jake and says uh, Bad News Brown is afraid of snakes. 
and asked Jake if he's afraid of rats. Jake says he and Damien have a lot in common. But what does it say about Bad News Brown that he hangs around with rats? Uh, Jake isn't afraid because Damien is hungry and he wants to know how hungry Bad News Brown is because that is what is coming to and that separates a man from him like a mouse like Bad News. Uh, Damien was all wrapped on Jake's neck the whole time. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. When I, was that. I, was like, well, I never noticed that before. Like, geez, that's got to be scary. I, I guess that handler guy, is his name escaping me. That was there was a guy that was always there. He was like a weirdo. Okay, and he was o- always there with 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 the steak, and he must have been right there. Uh, or Jake would they would have had to yell cut and get that thing off. Right, I guess right, right. Jake, Jake trusted this guy. He had some a weird name. I can't think of his name, but uh, that's when they had that. They had one like burst out of the burst out of the box. They had it in and all kind of crap. Great, <laughs> like we thought Jake knew how to handle snakes, right? He didn't know. He yeah, didn't exactly. Know yeah, he was scared shit. <laughs> uh, all right, so then we have the match. Of course, Jake Roberts defeats Bad News Brown by disqualification. Uh, big Mo- Boss Man, of course, the second uh, the guest referee, as you said, doing two things tonight. Um, Four forty four. This is a nothing burger for me. Kind of a letdown. Big time. But there's not much here that I really even care to talk about. There's other stuff. Moving on. You good? I'm a die. Oh, I was trying to say how much of a big Bad News Brown fan I am. Uh, I don't know when, I don't want to sound like Conrad. I don't know when we're going to talk about him again. Yeah, we could do the Meadowlands, Hulk, Bad News, or Saturday Night's Bad News. Oh, yeah, we so will we'll definitely get to Bad News yeah, again. We'll I mean, WrestleMania news. 4, if nothing else, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. All right. Yeah. But yeah, uh, big disappointment. I really, as a uh, 10-year-old kid, was dying to see the Sewer Rats. So like, that sold me on it. And my friends, Sewer Rats, Sewer Rats. Like, we kind of thought of it as like Steamboat with the Kimono Dragon sure, yeah. and, and Damien, like it was going to be like one of those things. And you, you don't even get to see him. It's like, yeah, for, that's like something WWE would do now, like th- these days. It kind of reminded me of like this didn't happen back then, like something like that. Uh, that, yeah, that, that. That was a bomb. That's the worst, worst match of the night by far. All right. Well, Jake is with Demolition and they're pissed and they say the Heart Foundation yeah. cheated. They didn't play fair. Instead of two of them, there were four. Uh, they'll get back there. They'll come back. They'll get their belts after they get their revenge in the LED. Those imposters who regret walking in their shadows. Um, I love that they keep calling them imposters. Uh, just as a WWF guy, you know, like well, because, imagine, imagine they were saying that now. Yeah, and, 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 you know the way the fans would be whining and crying. They're, they're just trying to get heat, but the fans would be oh. It's still to this day they do it. Demolition and Road Warriors and Postures. There's nothing alike because they no. both wear face paint. Is the they look like Kiss Demolition? That's what they're supposed to be. Um, they're, not, they're supposed to be Kiss. They're not supposed to be the Road Warriors. Well, they do say that when they're finished with the Legion of Doom, Hawk will be hawking hot dogs, and Annabelle <laughs> will be neutered. Powers of Pain, maybe. Yeah, that's a different story. Correct. Agreed. Uh-uh. Next, the brother, the brother love show. Uh, Brother Love hops into the ring for an interview segment that goes on and on and on and on. But I, I was and very, um, yeah. Very, I remember even Uncle Tito, a bunch of us were really ready to see Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, that was a house. That was a household name, and he's and back, right? Know, yep. And he he was a household name without the WWF, right? So you know, Vince couldn't wait. To get the chance to have the Hulkster run all over, run wild all over him, brother, because you know that had to be eating Vince alive when Sergeant Slaughter was making these, you know, TV show guest appearances, GI Joe, this and that. I mean, he was 
besides Hulk Hogan and Andre Giant and I guess Roddy Piper, he was next, right, in the 80s in name value? Everybody knew. Oh, Stone yeah. Stone I mean, he's way, way up there. Way, way up there. So it was a big deal having him, having him back around and as a heel on top of it. Yeah, and that's the whole point of this segment, right? He give, he presents him with a medal. Um, right. And it really establishes Sarge as a heel, and you can kind of just feel the uh, you can feel the Hulk slaughter angle just kind of bubbling here. Yeah, you can just see it coming a mile away uh, for sure. So, all right. uh, Anything else about Brother Love here that you want to say? Always love the Brother Love show. I hate when they do these segments in the ring, but the paper. Yeah, just go too long. For some reason, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know why they can't set up the set at the pay per view. You know, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, maybe maybe make it a little more fancy, a little more lights or something. It just t- just when it's in the ring, it's just man, eh, it just it, I I don't want to do a Piper's Pit in the ring. You know, that just doesn't work for me, brother. I need to be in the back. All right, well, Mooney, you know, back. Speaking of the back, Mooney's in the back with the Orient Express and Fuji. Fuji says the superpowers come together. Against honorable Japanese know-how, they will hit Duggan so hard he will end up with two cross eyes. <laughs> <laughs> they will hit Nikolai so hard he will have a red mark on his head like Gorbachev. Too good. Uh, Mooney gets hot news and tosses it to Gene. Uh, Gene's in the hallway and we see Sapphire barrel by him and duck into a locker room. <laughs> he says they can all breathe sighs of relief that she's safe now. And he wonders about Sherry's comments earlier, though. Before wrapping it up and sending us to our next match, which is Jim Duggan and Nikolai Volkov, and they defeat the Orient Express, Sato and Tanaka, with Mr. Fuji in three minutes and 22 seconds. Again, not a lot to talk about here. I love it because it kind of reminds me of my wrestlers beating up today's wrestlers. Even though I love Pat Tanaka and he's a great wrestler, that's what it, the Orient Express are the size of all the most of the wrestlers today. And then you got big old Nikolai and you know, what else can you say about Hacksaw? Top 10 favorite of mine there. They just tear him apart for the good old USA. Party time, man. All good. All good. Feel good moment for sure. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Gene is with Dusty, who's banging on Sapphire's door, but she won't open it. Gene says he has been vigilantly standing by. Dusty is worried sick over this, and he needs her at ringside. Something's going down, and he has to go to his match, but he'll return to deal with this as soon as it ends. Really good. Really good. Job, amazing. Mooney is on a ladder and with Savage, who is on his <laughs> sedan. Savage says uh, the rumors must be true about Sapphire not wanting to associate with Commoner for her life. Uh, Philly's own Ben Franklin must be turning in his grave, thinking of Dusty as the American dream. Uh, they head out as Mooney teeters. <laughs> um, really... And Justin writes this up. Justin from the Place to Be Nation podcast uh, shares these with me so that I don't have to rewrite the notes for a show since the work's already been done and lets me read these. Place to Be Nation podcast. We'll give it a good plug later. And Justin on the No So No-So Connection uh, yeah, North, Yeah, the North-South Connection. North-South Connection. They yeah. do a great job of Napoleon Dynamite. They review that movie for all you Napoleon Dynamite fans out there. I'm in the midst of listening to that. I think it's from about a month ago. You might have to go back in the archives. Justin and Jenny. Very man. good. Justin and Jenny. There's some other dude, I think, on there. But he mentions here that there's been great character work in the show, and I absolutely agree with that. 
All right, that brings us yeah. to our next yeah. yeah next match: Dusty Rose versus Savage. Dusty is out solo. He looks quite pensive as he waits. Uh, Comes out. That's the way to come out. If it was yep. now, he'd come out. The wrestler would come out with the fireworks. Yeah. Still do their pose. But he's worried and all the crap. Yeah, it's the way it should be. He's off. Way off his game, and he wrestles the match like he's off his game too. Yep. And Savage is carried out. Like I said, Cher leads the way. Um, a long feud. It's a big blow-off match here. Finally, they're one-on-one. Piper says, maybe Sapphire got tired of pulling logs out of the toilet and wearing polka dots, as it isn't romantic. Piper's <laughs> <laughs> not doing too bad. Yeah. DiBiase and Virgil show up on the podium and say, everyone has a price, even the nickel and dime commoners in the crowd. Now, I know at this time, uh, Piper and Jesse were doing that pilot for ABC called Tag Team. Two yep. ex-wrestlers from Policemen. I wonder if Jesse left some notes for Roddy behind. Something like that. Ah, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Get this in there for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um Okay, so every nickel and dime commenter in the crowd and Dusty have a price. His money can buy anything tonight at Boss Dusty's humiliation. And he brings out his newest purchase. Sapphire. Sapphire's out in her mint coat and jewels as Ted yucks it up. Uh, Amazing. Sapphire shows off her bag full of cash, and Ted runs down all the gifts he bought her over the week. Rhodes is distraught, and Ted tells him not to be upset because anybody would have done what she did. Dusty heads down the aisle, but Savage jumps him from behind and beats him. He shoves Dusty back in the ring, hits a top rope axe handle. As Piper says, Dusty may be rusty with the women. Uh, Sherry chokes away, and Savage does too. Piper says, Sapphire is done delivering pizzas and living with a common man. Uh, so, Piper's just relentless here. I can watch this over and over. And, and they play DiBiase's music again when Sapphire walks out. <laughs> so good. Oh, God. Yep. This is so good. So good. This is why I love wrestling. The stuff like this is what I love. Uh, Phenomenal. Savage smashes Dusty with the purse, covers him for the win. Um, <laughs> too good. Uh, Dusty DiBiase continues the story of the loose DiBiase Savage relationship too. Uh, Savage, Savage dominates this and hopefully launches sure, him to something yeah. better. Poor Dusty's a mess. Piper says Savage has no trouble keeping women. Mooney is backstage and says Ted is in his private suite and his limo is in the driveway, so he thinks they'll be out soon. Indeed, they are. This, hunt, this entourage. Yep. Over here. Virgil, Ted, and Sapphire. Good job by Mooney tracking down the story here. Oh, great. Yeah, in the right place at the right time. Um, Virgil, Ted, and Sapphire come out and they blow off Mooney. Ted eventually tells him to look and learn. Everything has a price. Dusty runs to the back and gets there as the limo's pulling away. He slams on the roof and wails as Mooney says, if you only got here sooner, and calls Dusty very distressed. Piper, I, I gotta, I'm sorry. One more line here. Uh, Piper asks what line. Dusty was planning to do, lay in front of the car, yeah. uh, and then go ahead. We'll talk about this for a second. What were you going to say? I know you're like when I bring up Uncle Tito. He was he was there, but uh, it was a Monday night. He always had to take a nap after work. So I think he might have showed up somewhere during this match or maybe during the Duggan match. He was new to the house. And he thought this was hilarious. I mean, we all thought it was funny, but he was like basically on the ground. <laughs> laughing when, when, when Dusty was chasing the limo. And what happened? What Sapphire? Oh, he knew, you know, he knew the storylines and all, but right. he came late. <laughs> he came in the middle of this match. So he might have missed the uh, sa- uh, sapphire come out and the mink coat. Sure, but he was cackling, and then earthquakes music starts playing, and you hear it. So I kind of yell at my uncle, 
said, no, I had in there. And, like, he reprimanded me. Like, was like, don't talk to me like that, kid. You know Because I mean? you start hearing Earth. You almost got the wooden like, spoon. Yeah, like, you almost got yeah, the wooden this spoon. This is yeah. over. This is over. Sapphire's over. Hulk's coming out now. You hear the rumblings of Earthquake's music there. So it was a, a kind of little heat there between me and Uncle Pete for a second. <laughs> it, it ended quick. Uh, Randy Savage with Queen Randy Savage with Queen Sherry defeated Dusty Rhodes in the match at two fifteen. Just for some bookkeeping there. Um quite a kayfabe question for you. Uh is DiBiase also banging Sapphire? Uh but, you know what? Let's back up. Was Dusty banging Sapphire? Kayfabe, no. No, okay. Was no, both no. What no, no, you don't think he's Maybe no, uh, a blowy or something. No. Uh, is no. he giving her off to Virgil? No. There's no sexual part of this at all. He's just hey, spending hey, all this money on this woman. Just to embarrass just, the great, the great Dusty. Rose. Just to embarrass so, Dusty. There's no to, sexual motivation. Yeah. No. Okay. I I kind of disagree. <laughs> I like I like to think he's hit, hitting her from behind, singing. Uh, Singing the American Dream theme song or something like that. I don't know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> all right. Gene is with Hulk Hogan and the boss man. Hogan remembers. You know what? Actually, we're going to, we're going to skip this. We'll do the, we'll do the warrior stuff and then we'll come back and do. Um, the what? We mean, is another match after, after the Hulk match? <laughs> Unfortunately, we'll co- I've never seen it. <laughs> we'll cover it. We'll cover it very quickly. Uh, Mooney is with Bobby and Rude. Rude talks about. Philadelphia's history and ties his story tonight here to the Rocky Apollo match. But this is reality. A warrior's life is about to change, and he has the advantage because of the cage. Warrior can't run and hide, and once the door closes, it will seal his fate, and Rude will be champ. He will take his place next to the Rocky statue outside the spectrum. Bobby says Rude beat him before, and this time he does it again inside the most grueling match there is. And anything goes, and when it's over, there'll be nothing left, no sequels. Rude says there ain't going to be no rematch. Again, great promo and just, I don't know, really good stuff. The, anytime they're backstage in this show, it seems like it's something show, good is happening. Phenomenal. Yeah. It's, there's, there's something in the air that night in Philly. It's just different. It's, it's like Saturday Night's May event mixed with superstars, mixed with a pay-per-view. There's something about this show. It's, it's just, Chet said the same thing. We've always said it. It's something weird about it. You could even hear them saying, cue the music, when Sapphire's music kept playing. Like, you never hear shit like that. It was, something was off and on at the same time. A very special night. Gene is with Dusty, who's fretting. Gene says Dusty's slow walk was the saddest thing he saw tonight. Dusty says wrestling and WWF is built on emotion. Sapphire took the money, and that's fine. He offered his innocence, but Sapphire paid her back in scorn. Dusty is in a storm. And those that saw him asked when he asked when he would get mad and even. DiBiase can buy anything but him and the American way of life, and he will get mad and come for Ted. Um, we're back at ringside. They're wasting time. The cage getting built. That's basically what's going on. There's a Hulk promo, which I'll tell you about later. We're kind of saving the Hulk stuff. Uh, Vincent Piper are killing time. Piper picks Rude to win. Uh, Mooney's with the earthquake. We'll tell you about that later. Uh, Gene is with the warrior who asks what Rude and Heenan have in common with the Liberty Bell. And he says one is cracked and the other is a ding dong. And then does a maniac laugh with Gene. 
Warrior blends in talk of forefathers and writes into his title reign, and the match is very Warrior way. Uh, good promo for Warrior here, actually, I thought. Um, all right, so then we get the match. It's a steel cage match. Um, they give him a decent amount of time, I thought. Uh, my screen went off, but I'll give it to you in a second. Ten minutes and sure. five seconds, which is long for a Warrior match, really. I bet he didn't have that many in the WWF longer than that. Um, it's a, it's first of all a really good job by Rude just to be here and to be a heel that's important enough to be in this match, and because that's a big problem with Warriors title reign, right? He just doesn't have the the rivals in the same way maybe that Hulk did in this era. Yeah, no, no it's yeah. big, big, big errors here. I'll get to them. Yeah, but uh, a good job by Rude to do it and an okay match. And if I was grading it, you know, it's in the two and a half to three star range. Warrior, uh, again, retains defeating Rude with Heenan by escaping the cage at 10.05. Dave? Yeah, I'm grading this a dud, brother, because... A dud? Uh, like less than yeah. a half a star? No, come yeah, on, no. because... First of all, it should have been before intermission. You can't. It, it could be crazy to think you're going to follow that Hulk earthquake match. There's no heat. Rude did nothing to Warrior besides saying he beat him at WrestleMania five, and he cut. And now he cut his hair and ran on the beach. There was no heat. There was no nothing. It should have been somebody like Barbarian, maybe to put somebody. He, Barbarian was a Heenan now. Maybe Barbarian could have stre- put guys on stretcher every week on superstars, kind of like Kamala was doing. To be kind of like a threat, there was uh, to me there was zero threat, and it going on after Hulk is a major, major problem, and you've seen it a million times already. The SummerSlam '89 match was awesome between Rude and, and Warrior with, with Piper Mundum at the Meadowlands. It's just you've seen it too many times. Uh, yeah, nobody cared, man. It was it wasn't good. It wasn't good for. I feel bad for the Warrior almost a little bit. But they should have put it on before intermission, in my opinion. Dud, though. I mean, that's like. I mean, think of the other matches you'd grade a dud, and you think this is at that level. Because I never watch it. I only watch it for this for this reason. I don't think I've watched it since. I turned it off when uh, after the Hulk match. Yeah, well, it's better. Right, than, half a star. It's better than a dud. Um, it's better than you know. Trying to think of something. I don't know. Sid Vicious versus uh, Hercules. When Hercules. Oh, that's a great match. <laughs> yeah, that's really Her- good. Hercules got Hercules got to use his older music for that match. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, better than this <laughs> for sure. Okay, let's get to Hulk now. Uh, Gene is with Hulk and the boss man. Hulk Hogan remembers the splash and the quake. Bravo and Hart laughing as he was rolled out, as well as the tears of the Hulksters. Certainly, I had some tears back then, brother. He remembers all the letters in the cards, including one from me. One from you, Dave? Yes, sir. Yeah, of I got course. the uh, friendship bracelets and all, yeah. Yep, and the prayers that healed him, as well as Tugboat leading the charge. The memories are fresh, and after they took out Tugboat, they're dedicating the match to him, and he has Bossman at his side. Bossman is- issues a warning and says their only rights are for justice, with Judge Hogan presiding. Hogan says he will chop down the cherry tree in Earthquake, and he never tells a lie. He also says Thomas, big boss man, Jefferson, and Hulk, George Washington, Hogan. A very good promo here again. Again, everything um, behind the scenes, uh, behind the wrestling ring in this match is just so good. All right. Phenomenal. All right, time for part one of the big main event. 
A huge grudge match as Hogan makes his return to the ring. Good heel entrance, lots of hype and heat. Quake feels like a big, a very big, bad guy. Good pop for Boss Man, but a massive, and I mean massive one for Hogan. Of like 1985-86 level pop for this Hogan here. This is my second favorite Hogan entrance after um, his, yeah, yeah, I'm here. His entrance is great, and the crowd loves the posing. Good spot for Boss Man, who gets elevated here in his new face role. Hogan has an odd little haircut here, according to Justin. Justin's mind. Um, yeah, it was a little, little. It looks better when you're balding like that. It looks better than when he kept it long in WCW and made it look worse. Balding is tough. I'm glad I I, I don't have that headache. I have the uh, gray hair headache. The Italiano gray hair headache, so. But that's probably better than bald. I know you got kind of got the balding thing, right? Yeah, but I'm working on it. Okay. I got some tricks up my sleeve. Remember, I'm a professional wrestling fan. That's true. I know how to kayfabe. Uh, Piper thinks Hulk looks ready, but Vince wonders if he'll exit on a stretcher. Piper says if he does, that's it for him. End of his career. Piper says Bravo is like the so-so girl that hangs out with the big fat girls to look better. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh I don't God. know why that reminds me of the facts of life for some reason. Oh, it's too good. Take yeah. the good, you take the bad, take them both, and then you have. Yeah. The so-so girl that hangs out with the big fat girl to look better. Kind of uh, worked. Uh, Hogan's taking his time, and he's feeling things out. He slides out to regroup with Bossman, and Piper says he's a bit confused for strategy and is playing this by ear. Hulk comes back aggressive and slams away and tries for a slam, but Quake hammers back. And starts to lay in some heavy blows. Piper doesn't think that Hulk has his usual intensity and is hurting. Quake, meth- good storytelling there. Quake methodically hammers away, but eats a boot on a on a, cha- a charge. And Hulk rattles him with clotheslines and punches, but Quake won't go down. Hogan cleans out Dino Bravo and Hart, and then finally knocks Quake to his ass with a right hand. Quake bails as the crowd is just going nuts here. Uh, Hogan breaks up the meeting outside the ring, and Bossman gets involved too. And they shove both Quake and Dino inside, and they wipe out both men with double big boots. And the ref is apparently just letting everything go here, uh, which Piper does call out. Good job again. Uh, right. Bossman ends up tangled with the ref, and that allows Dino and Quake to double team, which even things out. Quake drops a huge elbow for a near fall. He goes up to the top and actually lands an axe blow. Uh, Quake twists into a Boston Crab, which is a really cool visual, and Hulk forces the rope break. Hogan rolls out where Bravo slams him as Big Boss Man's arguing with the ref, which Piper, again, is right on top of. Uh, Quake keeps working the back over but misses an elbow, and Hulk starts to fire up. Hulk goes to the eyes and tries to slam, but Quake falls on him for two. Quake locks in a tight bear hug, and Hogan slashes at anything he can and ends up ripping up Hebner's shirt. Uh, Hogan breaks free but gets cool caught. Spot. Yeah, Hogan <laughs> breaks free but gets caught on a crossbody, and Quake... Murders him with a huge power slam, but only gets two since he just covers with one foot on his chest. Big mistake there. Uh, Quake hits the splash, but Bravo tells him to get up and do another one. Vince is eulogizing Hulk, and Piper says his mistake was cutting cutting weight for endurance. Uh, man, just such good. Uh, you got to give Piper a tip of the cap. His He's first pay per view here, yeah. Uh, Quake is second. He did one superstar's voiceover. That's it before this. Good for him. Quake hits the second one, but Hogan blows out at two and hulks up to a huge pop. Uh, Quake tries to stave him off, but Hogan shrugs it all off and loads a furious. Piper says Quake is tired. Hogan hits a big boot 
and Quick doesn't quite fall, so Hogan calls for and then slams him to a huge pop. Hogan drops the leg, but Bravo ties up the ref, and then Jimmy comes in. Hogan chucks Jimmy into Quake, and then Big Boss Man cleans out Bravo. Outside, Jimmy pops Quake with the megaphone by accident, and then Hogan slams Quake on a table. Hogan slides in and wins by countout. Great finish, wild and frenzy, and a good spot that warrants the countout and still protects Quake. Quake comes in and attacks a Big Boss Man, and attacks, but Big Boss Man cleans house with a step stool and some vicious shots to leave some sick welts, which you can see really clearly. Uh, Quake Amazing. leaves, yeah. Quake leaves and Hogan and Bossman celebrate. Um, and I'll read you Justin's editorial here. I'll give you a, a feel for what Justin thought. Um, super fun match. It was wonderfully booked and paced to keep full engagement. Quake has established as such a quality uh, heel that feels like a threat, but still stayed relatively protected in the loss. Hogan was rock solid in his return, and they kept things basic and well executed. Good psychology with the back work and then Hogan cutting weight to have endurance and outlast a tired quake as the feud rolls on. He gave it three and a half. I will give it four, Dave. The time was 13-16 as Hogan defeats Earthquake by countout. Your thoughts? Five stars, brother. One of my favorite of all times. Right up there with Andre. WrestleMania. Yeah, I can't give a countout match five stars. I just can't, I can't get there for a I countout. I love it. That, it. that was different. They had to go on the road together so you couldn't have Hulk pin them decisively. And also, it, the, they should have made mention that the boss man was the ref for the Harlem Sewer Rats match, and he left. They should just should have said he was in charge of that table, but he left it there purposely for Hulk to slam Earthquake on it. The announcers missed that. That would have been the way to tie it in that the boss man didn't remove the Sewer Rats table because Hulk slams Earthquake on that table, and, and uh, you know gets the count out. There's no title involved, you know what I mean? So count out's fine. Uh, it's just such a Hulk night. The real American, everything, the posing before, I mean, after it, the entrance, the boss man's entrance was fire. Everything I like about, about wrestling is, is in this match. <laughs> the earthquake's back, brother. <clears throat> after getting, I mean, there was, that wasn't a steel chair. I guess the boss man couldn't find a chair or somebody, maybe Sapphire moved it out there. <laughs> so she wasn't down there, but you know what I mean? You think it would have been a steel chair, but for some reason it was that stepping stool. And they were good friends, John Tenta and Ray Trailer, boss man Earthquake. So maybe Earthquake was like, "Hey, this is my big moment. Lay it the fuck in." <clears throat> it reminds me of um, Piper and Sheik on Saturday Night's main event in '86, and he hits the Sheik with the crutch, and it was a similar similar look on the Sheik's back there. So <laughs> that was a. I mean that the earthquake was taking some painkillers that night, man. Because he, he, yeah. he was hurt. Yeah, he was hurt. Well, the the, and, uh, the world is normal again. As Dave is a little higher than me in the grading. What were you gonna say? Yeah, no, I just I I, I have I mean my my five stars. It might seem a little out there to some people, but I love this. I love it. I'm a big huge Hulk Hogan mark, and this is right there. This this is a Hulk. And we've always said that when we're grading these Hulk matches, we're grading them relative to Hulk's career and Hulk's matches. You know what I mean? And and you might give this a five anyway, you know, but um, even if that wasn't part of what we said in this show, but, you know, we're grading the Hulk match based on Hulk's matches, you know. So to you, this is in the upper one or two percent of his matches then. And I think it's my, just personal reasons. I just love yeah. this event. And that's part of it. That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love the feel. I, I, anytime Real American repeats, 
and it keeps going. Yeah, you, you know, know it was a good night. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. It's a big part of it to me. And you know, like it, you know, it's not the wrestling in the ring to me, it's the storytelling. And that tag that tag match had it, all the dusty stuff and Sapphire has it, and this match had, totally has it. It's just I'm all it's missing is gorilla. All right, so quickly. Vince did, did a great job. Quickly here. Gina's with Hogan, who's feeling good and swole. Hogan says all around the world they are building earthquake-proof buildings because he will drag that big fat dude across the country and beat him until Tunney makes him the number one contender. This is the decade of the little hulksters, and he adds a fourth commandment, believe in yourself. He's right. getting a new surfboard and is going to Venice to chase sharks, hit the biggest wave he can find, a tidal wave to ride to the top. Title wave. Yep, really great. Mooney's with that, that. That was the plan to have a uh, Hulk Warrior two. If they did the uh, big stadium, hundred thousand. Sure. In uh, Los Angeles, but uh, didn't go that way. But I, I think um, as big of a Hogan fan is Hulk can lose to Warrior, and then don't lose Hulk. Don't hurt Hulk that bad. If Warrior lose Hulk at this time, it hurts Warrior. I think. And he was very over and very as much as I think that match was a dud with Rude because it came after this and there was no heat in it. Um, you know, Warriors very over, and I think a clean loss to Hulk would, would have hurt him uh, very very much. Uh, Mooney is with Quake, Bravo, and Hart. Quake is a mess, drenched in sweat and with massive welts across his back. Quake says that the war. Is Jimmy just... Hart pointing to him. It's yep. great. Quake says that the war has just begun with Hogan and Boss Man. What Big Boss Man did to his back deserves revenge, and he will get both of them anytime and anywhere. The Quake will be there. Quake shows his back, which is gross. Uh, next time, Quake will inflict more damage before hitting the splash, and Hogan won't walk out next time. Jimmy and Dino rant, and we are out. Uh, wow. Uh, amazing night. Amazing card. Uh, one of my favorite shows of all time. One of Dave's favorite shows of all time. Uh, really enjoyed that one, Dave. Any last thoughts on the card here itself? I'm just this is oh, or the one show. That, this one WrestleMania three Survivor Series eighty seven is another one I go back to as far as it was eighty eight. I like a lot. Um, just, just right there with them. I think I like Survivor Series ninety too. I like the Survivor Series eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine. Not so much ninety. And this, I mean, this is this is my favorite SummerSlam by far. If you told me I could only have three SummerSlams, I would probably take 89, 90, 91. Like, I think these are the three best SummerSlams. Even though I was at 91, I'll be close to you, but I'll take right in a row 88, 89, and 90. Yeah, fair enough. I, I, th I think there's... Something with that main event at 91 was very disappointing, and you knew it. Yeah, the that's then not... a wedding where nothing happens in the arena. You got to wait till superstar. Sure, that's fair. Angle. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, that's when wrestling was starting. I mean, I love the Bret Hart and Kurt Henning, but that's when wrestling was starting to go that way about the match and not about the fun anymore. You know, and mm, it was a little bit starting there, starting to bubble. Well, I they should love... have had the angle. They should have had Jake and the Undertaker come out at the wedding inside the arena and attack. It'd been wild. That would have made that SummerSlam so much better. Well, I love, love, love that hard hunting matches all five stars. Oh, today. Yeah, but um, anyway, all right, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. I'm gonna go get Paula. Hopefully, uh, we're gonna read some emails. We'll tell you what you're doing next time, and we'll say good night. All good, Dave. All good. All right, we'll, we'll be right back. I am. A 
24 inch podcast back, and I did find Paula. Paula, you didn't hear me about us calling for you before because she was do- she was doing all those chores. Yeah, she was working her. on her chores. She couldn't she couldn't hear me. But earlier in this show, we were talking about SummerSlam 1990 when the Hart Foundation wrestled Demolition and won the belts. And of course, that match before it has the famous promo where Bret Hart says, like the Phil Collins song says where two hearts beating as one. And I wanted you to tell the listeners a little bit about how two hearts has always been our song. Can you do that? Tell them about two hearts. Come on. You're on the show to talk. You clamming up on me here? Okay. Oh, she's kind of right. Of course, we're going to do emails as well, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I told the story. About two hearts. Hey, Paula, guess what wrestler was in that video, two hearts? I'll give you a hint. He wears face paint. We've watched it before, the wrestler in the video. I think there's two videos, but one of them has a wrestler. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what he was on this night. Yeah. Coming on after coming on after the Hulkster brother. <laughs> the ultimate idiot. I love it. It was it wasn't his fault though. All right. Uh quickly, the Sportscasters podcast, my other show at sports underscore casters on Twitter. Uh my most recent episode, Jonathan Clegg and Joshua Robinson on to talk about their book about Lionel Messi and Ronaldo, two guys Dave knows really well, knows their story really well. Um, also, <laughs> on the show is a guy named, uh, what was the hell was that guy's name? I don't know. This guy who was a producer for Hockey Night in Canada, he really pissed me off. And if you listen to the show, you can hear why I was pissed off with him. Uh, again, at sports underscore casters, um, sports, uh, soundcloud.com slash sports underscore caster and of course if you found this podcast you found the sportscasters because they're all together also i wanted to again thank justin rosero and scott uh criscolo two of our favorite paisans uh for hey. for uh, helping with the notes what's what's up paula colston has one but i forgot to pay okay you can read colston's email hold on a second let me get through these plugs okay all right so shout out to justin and scott place to be nation uh wrestling Network at place at P number two B N wrestling on Twitter at no. So pod network on Twitter. Okay. You can check out the place to be nation. Please do good dudes. Also greetings from Allentown, uh, Keithy and Peter at GF Allentown pod for more information there. All right. On to emails. Would you like to go first, Paula, since you're, trying to screw me up for whatever reason during the plug there. Would you like to read your email first? I don't know where it is. I don't remember where it 
but they don't know how to read it. All right, you going to go find it? All right, well, she's going to find it. Dave, you want to read the first one? Sure, we get the uh, first Chet. Just, uh, Chet is on board with us. This is one of his favorite pay-per-views, if not his favorite of all time. He loves this and also Survivor Series 90. He's just making that statement. That's Chet. Ziggles from Carney. Now we got Kevin from Nutley. Uh, be ready here. We got a little bit of time for this one. Maybe I'm all right. Maybe I'm biased because I was a fan of Mr. Perfect. I told you guys last season that he was the first bad guy, and I used the term because back then, to me, they were good guys and bad guys, not faces and heels. Wrestler Agreed. That I ever me cheered. too. Me too. Yeah, we, we kind of still go that way. Yep. Wrestler that I ever cheered for. Did you guys think that Kerry Von Erich should have gone over? Also, can I get your thoughts on Kerry Von Erich's finishing move, tornado punch, sister punch? As a kid, I thought it was lame. What did you guys think? Okay, I'll go first. Uh, Kevin, I kind of if you're listening to the show, I'm sure you are. You're our biggest fan. I explained before that if we if, love if, you, if Kevin, a, we love you, Kevin, brother. If a if a baby face, but Brutus Beefcake is supposed to be his match. If there's a replacement, the ba- other baby face has to go over. So that had to happen. Kerry uh, Von Erich had to win the title back. Mister Perfect pretty much got it right back. 1990 status, he got it right back. Three months later. So. Um, yeah, but as a kid, I, I, I enjoyed it because I told you I, I, I liked world class and I would get all the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazines and stuff. So I, I knew Kerry Von Erich was. Uh, Tornado Punch, uh, at the time as a kid, I might have thought it was a little lame. Now I think it's cool because a punch does more to you than 45 flips in the air and some kind of weird suplex or something. So now it's it's believable to me. But as a kid watching wrestling, yeah, I guess it could be a little bit boring. Steve? Yeah, I kind of said it early in the show, and I'm sure Kevin heard it as well, that it fell flat for me in the ending. For some reason, I, I think I wanted Perfect to win. Now, next year, 91, I absolutely wanted Brett to win, so a little different the next year. But no, I just didn't quite feel it with um, the Tornado, even though, like Dave, I do remember seeing him on ESPN. Although I remember watching more on ESPN, the AWA, which the thing I remember most is those beeps when they would go to commercial. Yeah. Uh, for that, 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 yeah, for whatever reason. MSG Network did it too for WWF. Um, yeah. The the punch, no, not great for me. Um, but Dave makes a good case for why I should appreciate it more now. But then, now. Yeah. No, and I, I think the fact that that was his finishing move was part of the reason why he fell a little flat for me. You know what I mean? That's probably part of it. Could be. Yeah. All right, Paul, you want me to read this email for you and then you're going to answer it? Okay, amazing. Everybody can. Okay, yeah, everyone will answer it. Amazingly, my dog Colston uh, has emailed us and even wrote the email out. Mom did. Oh, mom did it. Okay. Uh, amazingly, our dog Colston communicated to to Tammy, my wife, and Paul's mom, and has given us this message. I really like wrestling with my guys. We always say Colston likes two things: treats and guys. Treats to eat and the guys he plays with. Yeah. Yep. Oh, the figures. Yeah, you know, like he plays with, you know, like uh, things with a bottle in them, you know, that he bites around and like a little right, Santa right. Claus thing, you know, dog toys. Um, okay, he really likes wrestling with my guys, but I need a name for my signature move. Do you guys have any suggestions for our dog Colston's finishing maneuver on his Daddy guys? Oh, you want me to go first? Okay, well, I know Colston really well because he's uh, 10 years old now. And we've had him since. Oh, he, God bless him. We've had him since he turned, you know, eight weeks, which I guess is when he can come home uh, to live with his new family. We picked him up. Um, 
a little bit further north into New York than where we are. We went and got him. I've known him a long time, and he's kind of a surly little dog. And uh, he doesn't like when people come near his house. Uh, he doesn't like when people he doesn't know are near his sister. Um, he's real protective. So I think he'd be a heel, you know what I mean, in wrestling. You know, because he's got that kind of growl to him, that kind of nastiness. Uh, so I say his finishing move should be called – oh, and he's named after a football player. Marquise Colston, one of the great saints of all time. So I'll say his finishing move should be called the spike. You know, kind of like the way Colston would spike a football. You know, our dog Colston spike his guy at the end. Yeah, the spike. I'm going with the spike. Dave, what do you got? If we're going to do attitude error, maybe a little bit of we'll call it bite this. Okay, yeah. Dog thing. Yeah, bite this. Yeah. Yeah. Or or instead of suck it. For Colston, yeah. It's if we're gonna go 80s, how about the, how about the bark, the bark breaker, the bark breaker? I like it. I like it. Good job, Dave. What do you got, Paula? What do you tug of war? The tug of war. Okay, <laughs> I like it. Maybe if any of the listeners want to get involved and send us some ideas for what they should either name our dog's finisher or if their dog is a wrestler and have has a finisher, they can send us that as well. Good email, Colston. Paula, thank you Good for question. bringing thank you, Paula. that to the show. All right. Fred Nichols, our main man. Fred main is man. on our Facebook page down there in Elmira, New York, uh, home of Elmira College. Uh, Elmira College, Dave, is painted pretty much purple and yellow everywhere in a tribute to Mark Twain, who has some kind of connection to the area. I'm sure Fred could explain what it is. Oh. Better than I, and of course, Mark Twain, the author of one of Dave's favorite books, Tom Sawyer. Um, great Rush song, I'll yeah, tell you that much. I, a great, uh, a great um, Howard Stern moment. They were asking Sal the stock. They were asking Sal the stockbroker, um, who wrote the book Tom Sawyer, like basically playing the homeless game with him, or who wrote Tom Sawyer, and that's what he said, Rush, um, <laughs> and thought for sure he was right. All right. So some people know a lot about a lot of things, but a little about a lot of things, and that's me and that guy. And yeah, Sal the stockbroker knows absolutely nothing about history. Uh, there you go. It's incredible. I think we, we should hang out. Yeah, I bet you'd crush him though. I mean, his level <laughs> of knowledge about history is very, very shockingly low. Shockingly low. Okay. Um, let's see. All right. He's excited. We're doing SummerSlam '90. He says that's awesome. SummerSlam 88, 89, and 90 are my favorites, like you, Dave. Hey, all right. Alk versus Quake was awesome for me. I was devastated when Hulk went out injured. The video package broke my heart. Slowing down Real American and remixing it like that was Jim Johnson's most emotional cave vape production. You guys get what I'm saying? I do. I do, Fred. Fuck yeah. yeah. Excuse me, Paula. Sorry for grabbing yeah, She there. walked away for a second anyway. Oh, good. Okay, um... How did that video affect you? I was 17 years old, and it got me right in the gut. All right, let's stop there and answer that, and then we'll go on. Dave? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I was a little ahead of my time, like we say. I knew Hulk was going to come back and kick his ass. But that video, it, yeah, it, it got me good because he wasn't a champ anymore. He lost to the Warrior. He had, he had some little front runners, some little Warriors at the schoolyard and stuff like that. So, yeah, there were some people out there saying, you know, the Hulk's gone. He's done. He's going to become a movie star now. He's done wrestling. You know, it was kind of that. It was kind of going that way. 
nonsense. Steroids, it was coming soon, and all that stuff. And but as a as an adult Hulkamaniac, I kind of think of that being played when I hit my demise. <laughs> yeah, and my friends play, uh, playing that for me, or, or for when I'm down and out. I remember when I had some, um, I had to go to rehab some, for some, for some issues um, about three or four years. Yeah, you talked about it before. Yeah, I've talked about yeah. it, and uh, I remember uh, going back to watch Hulk's promo on Earthquake when he says, "Hell no, I'm not retiring. I'm a newborn again. I'm the same Star Craven Hulkamaniac I used to be." I posted that on Facebook the day I got home, and uh, yeah, I told Hulk. About, I uh, met Hulk uh, in about a month later with Ric Flair in Atlantic City, and I told him about it. And he went on this big binge of how he they gave him fentanyl in the hospital for one of his hip surgeries, and it almost killed him and stuff like that. So he he was all into the story. So yeah, uh, it, it meant a, it meant a lot to me. So, something about people don't understand. It's just not the guy Terry Belea. He's just a regular guy. Hulkamania for six foot you, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. you know, it, it always stuck with me. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, it reminds me of family and deceased family members love them and different things. It's it, Wrestling fans just don't understand. They, they don't get it. And that's why I picked you for this. You know, handpicked Thank you, you to be on this. And, and that was actually two years ago. Dave and I were looking at the original note card we put together, kind of with different names and thoughts on it. Um, yeah, right. look at, I mean, I can't say it any better than that, except for yeah, when I was a kid and I saw it, I was absolutely crushed, um, crushed. So yeah, uh, it was horrible. Speaking, speaking of SummerSlam 90, crushed, crushed. Yeah, crushed. <laughs> also 1990 for me, as we go back to Fred here, as a Hulkamaniac was an emotional one. My son, Fred Jr. was born on March 11th. God, God bless you, Fred, for being a dad at 17. We're finding out Fred, Fred Nichols is 100 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like I, could, I, I didn't have my first kid until I was 36. So God bless you. Uh, yeah, wild. Yeah, better man than me. Fred was a high school stud. Yeah, I wasn't even getting any yet um, <laughs> at, that, at that time. Uh, his first WrestleMania was uh, six. On 4190, and I was sitting on the floor in front of the TV holding him decked out in his yellow onesie and Hogan shirt during the main event. I was hope uh. pumped when Hulk kicked out of Warriors' finish, and when he missed the leg drop and the ref counted three, my soul left my body. Same, Fred, same, and I had to be there for it. And I was literally like on the roof of the arena, like the worst possible seat yeah. you could have, and the walk to the car from that seat felt like it took six years. It was awful. Um <laughs> After WrestleMania 6, I was waiting for Hulk's fall of the mid-card or special attraction. That's what happened to guys back then when they lost titles. I was worried Perfect was going to beat him on the following Saturday's main event. Then that dastardly brother love set Hulk up to be crushed by Earthquake. After Hulk's big return, he won by countout. Survivor Series, he shared the spot with Warrior. It just all felt different. Anyone have any similar feelings for 90, Dave? Um... You know, as much as I said before, no. I mean, I was when going into WrestleMania six when they said it's going to be title for title, like Hulk the Intercontinental Champion, and just it just didn't make any sense. So I yeah. kind of had, had that, a much that, more developed yeah. wrestling mind, I think, maybe yeah. than some of us in nineteen ninety. My father and my uncle saying it too. Yeah. And what did we think? Maybe there's going to be some kind of schmoz where they both keep their belts. Yeah, I thought that then. Now I know they can't do that in a WrestleMania main event. But I think that's what I kind of thought was going to happen. Something was going to happen where they both end up 
keeping their respective titles. Maybe Earthquake runs in or, you know, some, something to that effect. But when Hulk did kick out of the Gorilla Press, I remember going down the ground. I used to get go count one, two, three with the ref, thinking that's it. And then when 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 um, uh, Hulk missed the, the leg drop, uh, yeah, I, I I I was feeling it pretty bad, pretty bad. Yeah, especially <laughs> um, then I brought the. Uh, it was right around Easter vacation. And I don't know if it was the next. I would say it's the next day, but it could have been. It could have been three or four days later. But uh, my fourth grade teacher, God rest her soul, Mrs. Spawn was her name. She was a big wrestling fan. Her and her daughter. And she made sure nobody knew the outcome. Only me. Nobody else had the pay-per-view besides a couple of friends that were at my house. And we brought the tape in and watched it in school. And everybody wrote down on a piece of paper who they wanted to win. Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior. And you had 16 Hulk Hogans versus two Ultimate Warriors. What shitheads so those kids were. Yeah, yeah. No, 16 Hulk Hogans. Yeah, I mean, two shitheads. Uh, Oh, two shit is. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I, I won't say who they were, but I think I almost remember the names. But, uh, shit yeah. Shit had I mean, one. Shit had two. One's in jail. One's dead. Yeah. <laughs> one was actually Ricky from the uh, Skid Row song. Yeah. yeah Ricky, he was a young Yeah. Boy. That was one of them. And, uh, yeah, he's still in, in jail, 18 to life. Well, Hope was still too over. It, 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 it wasn't time yet. But, 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 again, I had my dad in my ear. Oh, he's going to make a movie. He's going to come back. Somebody's going to beat the Ultimate Warrior. He's going to beat that person. And what happened? That's yeah, what happened. I, I, didn't, so I, had too, I had too many people in my ear. I didn't think like this. Like I said, the one time yeah. someone got in my ears, my uncle said he read that Andre the Giant was going to win in the paper. And then when he didn't win, I said, you're full of shit. So I never believed everyone any ever again. Well, that time, was, yeah. yeah, that time I was still little. And I, I, I didn't have that. But I mean, going yet. forward, I just never yeah. believed anyone again. You know, it was like the boy yeah. who cried wolf or something. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I didn't have that mindset in 1987. I was scared shit. Kamala. Hardly anybody holding for it. I was I, I was scared shit back then. Right. It wasn't until around um, around uh, the boss man feud where I started getting cocky with it. All right, let me get through uh, uh, Fred's thing here. Uh, let's talk about those chair shots or ladders or whatever that was. Earthquake looked like he was going to cry. Jimmy kept touching it. We talked about that. Uh, the table spot, no big deal today, but in the nineties WWF that didn't happen. It was a huge deal when four hundred pounds came crashing down. Quote, sure, and it hurt inside on a table that wasn't gimmick to break into ten pieces. They should have said the boss man left it out there on purpose because he refed that match. That would have been that would have been really cool to say. Yep, he talks about right. not not liking the Warrior Rude match like you did. He says that pinning perfect spinning like a tornado in the opposite direction of Kerry's punch. What's up with that? Personally, he would have preferred perfect versus Tito. I'm with him on that. Yeah, well, that Saturday Night's main event match. Yep, right before this. Oh my god. Besides Hulk returning, Power and Glory crushing the Rockers was the highlight of the show for me. I was Heck yeah. re- really pulling for Power and Glory to get the titles and crush everyone. What did you guys think? We talked about that. We both loved them. Uh, Demolition versus Hot Foundation was fantastic. Savage versus Dusty was just filler for me. I hate to say it, but Savage was stale at this point. I think around this time, Savage and Tito couldn't win a match, and both were really just there to have good matches and fill a spot. It would have been cool to revisit that feud. Um, I agree with some of that, but also I think everything else around that match was more important anyway. So it was more the story. Yeah, Paul agrees. And there. remember, it was it was Dusty Rhodes who Savage was in a feud with. You know, right. that's, that's, a, that's an A lister. Yeah, oh, and of then then he goes on to feud with the Warrior after that, another A lister. So he's still kept. He's still in. And Dust, Dusty and Macho 
they were main event in B cards, you know, with uh, Brother Love as a referee. They would do the mixed tag that did WrestleMania six on the road. So he was always Macho was always, uh, you know, he was never until like ninety three after he lost the title in ninety two. He wasn't in kind of upper mid card with Crush and you know wrestling Doink, you know, map to map born Doink and stuff like that. He was always kept. If you're at a show in Savage's area, he was in the main event. All right, well. I've gone a bit long. Looking forward to this one. He does have a question for Paula. All right. All right. He says, I do have a question for the queen of the podcast, the lady of the hour, too sweet to be sour, funky little monkey, Miss Paula Mania, who's sneezing. What was your favorite match at SummerSlam 90? Hulk Hogan's match. Of course, Hulk Hogan's match. Right. Of course. All right. Thank you so much, Fred. All right. Paula's got another one here. It's on my phone. It's on your phone. No, she doesn't actually have a phone. It's an old one. She uses as a nightlight, pretty much. All right. This is from Tammy. I know her pretty well. Done some stuff to her. Uh, My question is, if you walked into the 80s toy store tomorrow, what wrestling figure would you hope they had for you to buy? That's a good one for everybody. If you could go to a toy store with a bunch of wrestlers, the 80s toy store that Paul and I go to, uh, owned by the great Dennis. Great, great Dennis. Yeah, what will we buy? Who do you want to take? No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Paul, yeah. this, we, before, before Paul goes, I'm sorry. I will go first, but I, I, I want. I have a question for the question. Okay. Now this means a figure that has been released. Yeah, I suppose so. It wouldn't be there not, otherwise, right? Not one that was never released, or you, no. you know, you can. All right, so it has been released already. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go for a mint on card Ultimate Warrior LJN. Okay. Wrestling, super, wrestling Superstars '89. And hopefully Run for uh, face value, not the uh, jacked up prices. Yeah. Of, yeah. They found it or somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Or something, and 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 it and it came out. But that that that's for ones that have been actually released. Okay. I'm gonna say that I would like to get. I'm gonna think of the 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 collection that we have, Paula. And I'm always bummed we don't have a steamboat. So I would want to get the Steamboat LJN and then the Dragon. I got an I got an MLC. Send me a check, right in the mail, brother. Yeah, and then I want a, a Dragon. Um, Big one. You know the little one too. The I think I got. I might have Rose that one Dragon. too. So that's what I want to buy. Uh, Paula, what do you want? What would you want to buy, baby? I would definitely want. Gotta talk into your mic there, baby. I would definitely want to buy the other British Bulldog. Oh yeah, because we just have yeah. Davy, right? Yeah. So you want to get dynamite? Dynamite. They're a tough. Always a tough grab. I got them in a store. Did you guys have consumers? Oh back yeah. In, uh, yep. But it was a catalog store. We didn't even. They weren't on the back of the box. The bulldogs. So we didn't even know they were out. And the girl comes out and and she brings us out Macho Man from the catalog. Yeah, we couldn't find Macho Man anyway. This is way back in around Christmas in 19, 1986. So we got a Macho Man, and then the girl's also like a high school girl. She's like, oh, we also have the British Bulldogs. We're like, what? There's no British Bulldogs. So I get yeah, it, is. We have them in a box. And it took her forever. Like, she ain't coming out. She's coming out with she can walk off. And <laughs> she, comes out, she comes out with the Bulldogs. Like, what? Like, score, man. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. That's a great story. Consumers, yeah. All right. What else do you got, Dave? We got anything from our buddy yeah, I got, I, Tim I got today. one. Tim, he's um, conspicuous by his absence again, talking about goats somewhere or <laughs> he, putting up pictures of himself. Uh, uh, Tim, uh, Tim in California has pulled his usual move when he's in New Jersey and has blown off Dave this week. Okay, Dave, what do you got? That's all right. That's <laughs> he's, he, he's a good man. He got a heart of gold. I'm busting balls. Uh, what do you got? He knows. Uh, Jamie from Queens. 
<clears throat> what do you guys think about Crush being added to demolition and them using the Freebird rule? At this point, as a kid, I had never even heard of the Freebirds. I thought that demolition, <clears throat> I thought that demolition had invented the gimmick. I've read and heard people talking about how looking back they didn't like it. Watching as a kid, I liked it and thought it gave them a cool new dimension demolition. What do you guys think? I'll go first. Um, it's bittersweet. I've been using that word a lot. Uh, I like it a lot. I like how this match went. I like them using the free bird rule. I don't like how it disbanded demolition. I don't like that they had to be turn heels when they were still over. So I'm I'm somewhere stuck in the middle on that question. But I love this is my favorite tag team match of all time. So I guess I have to say I like it. Yeah, I, I have to be a little bit more definitive in the sense that I, as a kid speaking, I didn't like it because I liked Demolition until this, right? Like the, the, I, the, the like maybe the best moment of the first WrestleMania I went to was their victory, right? right. And I'm riding high on them. And then as a Definitely. kid, you know, him, Crush coming in kind of signals me turning on them and lining up with the hearts. So as a, a kid, I guess I looked at it as almost like, you know, um, Mom inviting another boyfriend to stay at the house, and it's kind of affecting the way, you know. Unless you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, well, yeah, but as a kid, I I didn't like it. I wanted him, <laughs> I wanted him to leave. I wanted my old family back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do we got anything else? That's it on my end. Okay, I think that's it on my end, Dave. You want to talk about what we're doing next time? Next week, we're gonna head over to Joe Lowe's Arena to one of my least favorite pay per views from our era, going from one of our favorites to one of the worst, in my opinion. Big dud for me. Oh, what a crap crap show. Survivor Series 91. It's so bad that we're going to give you an extra dose and we're going to throw in for the Thanksgiving holiday Tuesday in Texas on top of it. We're going to do two shows for the price of one in two weeks from now. Survivor Se- The crap show, Survivor Series 91, followed by Tuesday night in Texas. Steve, what do you think? Sounds great. Can't wait to do it. With all that said, Paula, take us home, baby. Bye. No, we got one last thing to tell the listeners. We need them to stay there. Players, eat your vitamins and tell your friends about the 24 hours. Brother. Sweetie, sweetie. I forgot what I said. <laughs>